Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. So, first and ten, Jadarion Price back in there. And he's got the handoff. Price finds the hole, and he's gone. Touchdown, Irish. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Falk kicks it, and McGowan, one of the fastest men in the SEC, receives it at the three. And here comes the sophomore, Jaden McGowan. Watch out. 97 yards. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. So a big four-minute drill coming for Louisiana Tech. Fake it to Moody. Blockmeyer delivers over the middle clock. Smoke Harris inside the 25-yard line. Goodbye. Touchdown. Smoke Harris takes it the distance. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Play action now on first down. Taking another shot over the middle of the field. It's caught. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Jaden Greathouse, the freshman. Perfectly there for Hartman. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Zachariah Branch. And there's the freshman's first USC touchdown. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go. This Tuesday afternoon, good afternoon. Thank you for being with us every day you can be for however long it might be. Thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate you, Garrett Ross. Today, behind the scenes, as always, Levi Carraway, uh, Emery Winter, Jack McKenzie, and Paul Owen is in the studio. Uh, uh, the latest to join us as far as the 365 Sports Internship. Yeah, Owen's, uh, he's well-traveled. Seattle, Utah, a couple places he hasn't mentioned yet. He might have been doing a stretch. I don't know. All right, but, well, I mean, don't talk about it. It's fine. Owen, great to have you. He contacted me. It's been a while, right? Back uh, a few months ago and 
Good to have you in the studio. Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke, and again, this is 365 Sports. Yeah, what's up, Owen? Didn't even notice you there. Uh, Craig, nice to meet you. You're just used to having people sit there, so I walk in. I just thought it was Levi or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, it's always but, just some people yeah. that I mean, just kind of come in. You know? Levi's next to him. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. You, you, can, <laughs> you would now. never know. He never says a word, hardly. Emery is not uh, right now, but he's he's all uh, always a part of it, whether it's because they're in school or things they have to do, but we appreciate them all locked in. I got a couple of notes from Chris Cartman. He's going to join us from SunDevilSource.com on the Arizona State Bowl Band. He's got that more broken down with uh, some release that he got from uh, Arizona State. Also, two Hall of Famers. Michael Bishop, former Kansas State quarterback, will join us today at 510. And former Oregon running back, LaMichael James, who I covered when he was a high school player up at Liberty Ilo High School in Texarkana. He will join us today at 4 o'clock. Also, I- Mac Rhodes... And Paul's top five and Craig's off the radar. I believe they beat Robinson for the state title. Yes, they did. And I don't know if that was his junior year or senior year. I think it was his junior year. Yeah. Uh, they had a huge win uh, in the playoffs at Longview against uh, Gilmer in what was a shocking game because Gilmer, of course, it was so good under Jeff Trailer. But we'll get into that with him. They're both going into the National Football Foundation, the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Waco's very own former Texas star Derek Johnson. We spoke with him when that that list came out, but great to have a couple of Hall of Famers on the show today. Now, Arizona State, Chris Carpman will join us, and this is going to kind of go over, and by the way, nothing new with the ACC. They had to postpone the vote last night because of the shooting at North Carolina. I spoke with Matt Baker, great friend of ours. He's at the Tampa Bay Times, and I said, so is this going to happen? He said, you know, Right now, there's more important things on the table, maybe not for some of the schools interested, Cal, Stanford, and even, of course, SMU. He said there's a hurricane barreling down on the state of Florida on the Gulf Coast, which is also could be the landing spot is in Tallahassee. But there's also a Board of Regents meeting for Florida State in about a week and a half, Matt said. And I'm sure they would like to have some clarification by then. So in the season, again, full throttle with all sorts of games coming up this weekend. But he said it's there. But go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, if there's any Pac-12 tendencies still left in Cal and Stanford, then, you know, there's Labor Day coming up. They can't <laughs> get a deal done with Labor Day coming up. Yeah. I mean, there's Halloween right around the corner. I mean, it's, you know, very busy. But, no, I mean, there's legitimate reasons why this vote's been put off. I think the most obvious thing, and I saw on the way over here, and I wish I could recall who reported it, but it appears as though they might take a vote in a couple of days uh, is what I last saw, like, within the last hour or so. But, um, I mean, it appears that the final result's kind of a foregone conclusion. There's no way they're pumping up this vote for it to all just blow up in their face, right? No, no, you can't do that. No other reason to continuously harp on the fact that there's supposed to be a vote. But because of outside circumstances, they just can't hold it, which is valid, especially given a you know a shooting and uh, you know a hurricane potentially displacing people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like they've kind of already tipped their hand as to what the the end result is going to be, and it would be shocking to not see those schools voted in based on the way this has gone. Because um, if that was the case, then I think this would already be a dead story, and the ACC would have totally put the kibosh on it. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, golly, I'm getting choked up. Let I'm me so talk emotional. so you can get yourself all cleared up there. I, but when I was talking to Matt, I just reached out to him, and he's got many other things on his mind that he's covering. He said, I really haven't put as much thought into it lately because he goes, I knew it was going to be postponed yesterday, and it was. 
It just all depends. Uh, and he said, I guess, in a way, maybe that the one of the four schools that was against it, or maybe all of them see there's a chance for more revenue. We've discussed this before. It would be great for Cal Stanford and SMU. Uh, he just doesn't know. He really doesn't know the end result. But if they go to a vote, they're not going to do it without knowing the result ahead yeah, of time. I, I talked about this a little on the, on the triple option before, but it, it, it appears to me, and this is what I worry about the ACC, everyone involved is making desperate decisions. SMU is desperate to be in the big time. Cal and Stanford are desperate to stay in the big time. Florida State is desperate to get out. The ACC is desperate to make sure that nobody gets out and drops them below the number where ESPN (laughs) can take money away and renegotiate it. And there's probably teams inside the ACC that are desperate to make sure that the ACC stays what it is for as long as it can be. And that's why you're going to have this hodgepodge of a conference that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because people had to make desperate moves because nothing makes sense right now in college football. No, it, nothing it, makes it, sense. No, it, it, it's all out there. And of course, uh, yeah, thank goodness the games at least occurred this past weekend and more coming. Here's the Arizona State dilemma. This is what they did. And Chris Carpman will join us at 3.30. He was booked yesterday, as you could imagine. The deadline for we to discuss the transfer, remember? Why couldn't they have done this earlier to allow players to leave, to go find another program? The deadline for ASU undergraduate student-athletes to enter the transfer portal was April of 2023. So even if they had announced this in May or June, now there might have been waivers involved. The NCAA case involving Tennessee, which was particularly relevant to ASU's case, pending until the Committee on Infractions announced its decision on July 14th of 2023. In that case, the Infractions Committee imposed an enhanced financial penalty, $8 million, if you'll remember, uh, uh, in lieu of a postseason ban. It also required enhanced recruiting penalties, 40-week reduction of unofficial visits, loss of scholarships, 28-week reduction of communications with recruits, no communication. Arizona State believes that if recruiting penalties of the type set out in the Tennessee case were applied to Arizona State, such penalties would seriously impair Coach Dillingham's ability to build their football program. The self-imposed postseason ban helps pave the way for the program's stability and greater clarity going forward. That's how they summarized it from what Arizona State released and what Chris Carpman had earlier today. Yeah, that's a lot of words. That's a lot yeah. of that's a lot of words for their reasoning. Uh, I mean, they have an explanation. Clearly, they have a reason behind the the decision. Um, you know, it didn't dawn on me, and I give um, just random users on you know the replies and Twitter on credit for also pointing out like the odds of them going to a bowl game this year weren't that great to begin with. And I just wasn't even considering that when really talking about it yesterday. But mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead and offer up the potentially lesser penalty hope they bite on that and then you're scot-free but especially do it in a year where you're probably not making the postseason anyways mm-hmm. and so yeah. hey who says ray anderson's dumb and doesn't know what he's doing but yeah i mean i wasn't thinking about it from the standpoint of them not being uh eligible to even make it um i don't know how much they're actually thinking that either i think they're clearly just really trying to get the least harshest penalty possible and i can't blame any institution for doing that but yeah i mean there's there's obviously other reasons in play for the timing and all of that you know i I don't know what to expect from the sun devils um as far as this first year under kenny dillingham goes but he he played it well because even if you know it's really not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things him 
reacting to it, you know, and the passion and, and all that got people fired up and got people um, on the Arizona State side of things, you know, revved up. And so they'll have that chip on their shoulder. Now it's built in of like, you know, the disrespect card that he can play as a coach and use. And so it'll, it'll work out fine. But yeah, they just won't have an opportunity to go to a bowl. And maybe that wouldn't have been the case either way. But um, if they do win six games or more, that in itself will be a big story. And then you can really harp on the fact that you should have been in the postseason. So um, unfortunate, but not the end of the world. couple of college football notes. One of them, Ohio State. Ryan Day and Ohio State have named their starting quarterback. It's Kyle McCord. Replaces C.J. Stroud, of course, is now in the National Football League. Ryan Day announcing that McCord is a starter, has been in a battle with Devin Brown all throughout the spring and also throughout the summer and into August, and Kyle McCord will take over initially and perhaps, you know, maybe long-term as the quarterback with the Buckeyes. Here's what I know about Kyle McCord. He'll probably be good. There is not... um, in the last, well, shoot, since 2001, since Craig Krenzel, a school that has had less misses on quarterbacks, the, even the guys who are kind of boring are good. Like Craig Krenzel, kind of boring, but guess what he did? Won a national title for him. Uh, they've been so good that Joe Burrow left. Yeah. And yeah. ended up winning the Heisman yeah. Trophy. So they've right? been so consistent. Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Quinn, Quinn Ewers, Ewers yeah. is another one. They've There's been so consistent example. at quarterback that you can't even you can't even, you know, really pick on them for a couple of guys that all right, well, Todd Beckman wasn't that good or all right, great, but he was still fine. They won a lot of games. In the last ten years, CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins, who it the year he played, he was really good. JT Barrett was fantastic. Cardell Jones, who helped them win a national title mm-hmm. because Braxton Miller and Barrett got hurt, and there was Braxton Miller also. Those are the last 10 years, the starting quarterbacks at Ohio State. That's a pretty darn good group that everybody would like to have. Yeah, and so they also, Devin Brown is a highly, both really highly recruited guys. So one is more ready than the other, obviously, in Kyle McCord. Ryan Day's been really good at assessing who his quarterbacks are. Brian Hartline is one of the up-and-coming coaches in the country uh, and offensive coordinator, uh, and they'll be fine. They'll be fine at quarterback. Ohio State is probably not going to be undone. And look, I, I'll eat my words if that's true, but they're not going to be undone by the quarterback or wide receivers. Those are... Usually pretty good. Uh, Right now, Ohio State's problem has been that Michigan's become the more physical team in the last two years and beaten them. And that, if that comes down to the same thing three years in a row, that's probably not going to be a different reason. It's probably going to be they just haven't caught Michigan up front. Craig? I mean, yeah, congrats to Kyle McCord. I don't think this means anything outside of he's a starter to Mm -hmm. start. And uh, we'll see plenty of Devin Brown, I'm sure, at at some point. And certainly, if McCord's not able to go out there and just – you know, not only snatch hold of the the steering wheel, but control it. So they've got an option if if this doesn't work out to their liking. But yeah, I'm not going to sit there and pick apart too many Ohio State quarterback decisions given recent history. Eventually, somebody always, you know, trips up. Trips up. You're not going to you know bat perfect, but uh, Ryan Day's been pretty close to that, and uh, I think that you know either way they've got like I said a solid one B there. So yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're not. The quarterback spot's not where I'm worried about Ohio State all that much, although it is, you know, somewhat of a question mark. Who's had better quarterbacks in the last 10 years, Ohio State or Oklahoma? 
Well, probably Oklahoma, but you're you're really like that's tough. I mean, they've they've got guys winning Heisman trophies. So, now, not yeah. la- of course, and, last year the injury. Look, uh, but look, who's their worst one is Dylan Gabriel, who's and, still and, really damn good. And Spencer Rattler at the end of last year played really well for South Carolina. They've even lost some. Tanner Mordecai obviously didn't get to play much, but also Rattler, who had a really good finish last year at, uh, at uh, what South Carolina. Yeah, I mean that's that's cool. Those guys went off and did their thing, but I mean the, the Heisman's are what talk. I mean it's, it doesn't matter what the guys who didn't win them did did or did not do or are doing. I mean, yeah, Mordecai's had success. Uh, Rattler's had success. Um, you know, we're about to see what Chandler Morris as well at TCU. Right, he was at yeah. Oklahoma. I mean, that's fine. That just goes to show you, though, really the talent they had that was there and was the starters and were the ones that stuck around. Those guys typically went on to win Heisman's here recently. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Oklahoma, you give them an edge, but, you know, that's not to in any way poo poo on what Ohio State's done, you know, at the quarterback spot. But certainly, yeah, you'd give Oklahoma the, uh, the nod right there. All right. Well, uh, Nebraska, uh, who knows what they'll do. They open up Thursday against Minnesota. Matt Rule today uh, and the story from earlier today, this is a young man who's had some trouble. Eric Gilbert, who was at LSU, went to Georgia, then eventually left Georgia to go to Nebraska. Nebraska's trying to find a way to get themselves back to even being competitive and maybe even bowl eligible, although that remains to be seen. Arrested earlier today without incident, carrying a bag of uh, at a liquor and vape store. Um, $1,600 worth of stolen items, vape products, etc. The police statement, uh, the damage to the store is estimated as well at about sixteen or $650. I could be flipping here. It's a serious deal. Eric Gilbert, obviously, Garrett, you put that in a text to us earlier, has had some issues. A phenomenal talent, first-round talent, five, not now, five-star player out of high school. It's almost as if, man, Nebraska's starting to recruit guys like that. That means that's a pretty good deal, but he's not going to play for that. And this is his third school. Um, he's out of chances now, uh, unless he's you know goes the you know lower level route. And if I don't know if there's a coach who who can get through to him, he's got a lot of he's had a lot of issues. Some um, some of his own making, some that uh, maybe are 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 just personal issues that you know people have. But yeah, he's uh, I. I it's a really sad story, and I, I do hope that he gets some help because if your rock bottom is not robbing a vape store, I I, I don't know what it what it is. Yeah, it's a really bad look. Uh, it's unfortunate to see somebody who's clearly uh, careening uh, in life, uh, given their immense talent and you know opportunity that many would die for. And, uh, you know, he's got it right there in the palm of his hands and has now on more than one occasion and has, you know, chosen to not do the best that he can with that. And now he may not have another opportunity, as you said. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I could hear the way Paul said that about the vape store. And honestly, that was kind of my first thought as well as like you're robbing a vape store and that's why you're just going to throw your entire college career. Like, how about a bank, buddy? Like, I mean, yeah. can we can we shoot higher if we're going to make a you know, a, a criminal decision here. Um, that just, yeah, speaks to, I, I don't know what exactly other than just awful decision-making and a guy who's clearly in a, in a bad place um, for one reason or another and to what extent, I don't know. But I'm like, Paul, if you're sitting there with a college football career on the line of potentially, you know, millions of dollars and obviously a lot of people with a lot of investments willing to invest in you because you have this this God-given ability and, you know, your mind's at like, what can I do in the middle of the night? I'm going to go break in and steal liquor and vape. You know, not even stuff that lasts, stuff that just makes you feel good temporarily and then kind of will make you feel awful after the fact. I, I just, 
yeah, I can't wrap my head around that, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that can't either. So just a, a terrible decision and, um, you know, a bad ending, it appears, for Eric Gilbert, at least uh, at this stage. All right, so one of the stories uh, in college football this year, Georgia trying to win three in a row. Minnesota won three straight in the uh, 1930s. They almost won three straight in the 40s. But here is a list, and Garrett's going to put this up. I saw this. Pat Forty had this on SI.com. Here's, let me explain what this is. These are the most recent schools who have had a chance to win three in a row. This does not include uh, some schools that won a national title, did not in the middle, and then won another one the third year because that would not be technically a three-peat opportunity the third year. Here are some stories. Here are the sto- a couple stories about this. First of all, Georgia, we don't know. USC on their way to winning three straight until a guy named Vince Young after Lendell White was stopped on fourth and one, Texas and Vince Young, we know the story, one of the greatest individual performances of all time in a moment like that, and UT and Mac Brown win it. So that ended their three-peat. In 96, Nebraska lost to Arizona State to start the year and lost to Texas in a Big 12 championship game. That ended their chance. They had won in 93, 94, 95, and 97, but they did not win three in a row. In 1980... Alabama had won back-to-back, but lost 6-3 and 7 to nothing. And Georgia had a kid named Herschel Walker that interrupted their stretch. In 1976, Oklahoma, they had won back-to-back in 73, I think in 74-75. Tony Dorsett, Pittsburgh ran the table. Oklahoma also was just 9-2-1. 72, Nebraska coming up back-to-back national titles. 9-3, Johnny Rogers, but not enough. It was uh, Southern Cal. USC went 12-0 to win it with John Robinson. 1971, UT had won it in 69, part of it in 1970. Lost to Notre Dame, or excuse me, uh, Nebraska went 13-0. Texas that year was 9-3. Then there's also Oklahoma in 57 when they had that crazy winning streak, but they had a 7-0 loss to Notre Dame. Notre Dame in 48, they were trying to win three in a row, but they lost the opportunity when they tied USC 14 apiece. Army in 1946 had won back-to-back, tied Notre Dame, and did not win the national title. The writers gave that to Notre Dame. And in 1942, Minnesota trying to win three in a row twice. But World War II interrupted that season in the 1919-1943. Someone else won the national title. So there's been... Great players, Herschel Walker, Vince Young, Tony Dorsett, others, and then also teams that were so close but ties and losses by three points or seven points that interrupted the opportunity to win three consecutive national titles. That's how hard it's been. Some really good teams have had that opportunity. Yeah, um you know, Alabama was the most recent, by the way, and and then I think they had the Florida State interrupted with uh, 2013. Yeah, but um – by the way, Texas uh, and USC, like just comparing Texas ending USC's third one, uh, USC doesn't get three in a row because of Vince Young, and Minnesota didn't get a second three in a row because of Hitler. Things yeah. were different in the 40s. <laughs> yeah. That's yes, a good point. Yeah, so, that, so there's always something that might get in the way. And although Georgia is heavily favored, there are still some really good teams out there depending. And even last year, remember, they had to avoid the uh, field goal with Ohio State to not 
lose that semifinal game, but they eventually dominated what they did to TCU in the final. Yeah, and uh, this is probably the best opportunity to ever have that happen again because with an expanded playoff, I don't know if that's going to increase the likelihood or decrease the likelihood. I mean, it's, it's hard enough to do that clearly no one's done it, but now if you're adding a couple of extra games against the likes of, let's say, any given year Clemson and you know Florida State, uh, then add on the other two games that you would play or whatever, and yeah, the, the chances of just year after year making it, you know, your Alabamas, your Ohio States are likely to do that, your Michigans, what you know, whatever, but to get through the gauntlet that that is going to be, um, you know, maybe it's easier because there's only going to be so many teams cut out for that, um, but then again, just the grind of it just leaves a lot of wild cards in the air as far as being able to do it and then do it again and then repeat, do it again. So that's only a feat that's going to get harder. Um, if Georgia can pull it off this year, um, that will be rare air. And, and really, uh, I think we've already spent a lot of time sitting down and praising Georgia and, you know, what Kirby Smart's built and all that. But, I mean, that would just be taking it to a level that's mm-hmm. unforeseen. That, you know, not even the, the greats that we talk about have even touched that rarefied air. So, uh, for this early in his career and just what already is built there, I mean, that would be pretty scary. Um, so, yeah, that's certainly one of the, the bigger headlines uh, or storylines, I should say, this year that everybody's you know, can take note of with some sort of uh, interest is can Georgia pull off the – the um, never before seen three P. The, the ability, and it, like some of it's not even just the the guys across you playing a better day than you have, but the ability to withstand the pressure of it builds and builds and builds as you get closer and closer to that third one or the second one. Like when you're trying to win a bunch of games in a row, you all of a sudden as the team, you don't want to be the ones who end this thing, right? You don't want to end it. And so then when you look down the barrel of it happening, when it's about to, I think that's, that's almost what gets you more than just the other guys on the other side that day, having a great day is that you, you're just, you don't have any, anything left in the tank emotionally and it just gets you because you're humans and it's really hard and then now now you just point into the fact that nobody outside of the georgia fan base wants them to win three in a row you know that everybody's going to be rooting against them for the most part that's the uh that might be the chip on their shoulder this year but it's still you're going to be in a lot of hostile environments, and it's just hard to get out of your own head when you move on down the line. Yeah, it's just hard. Uh, it, there's a reason. Uh, 1930, what, 4, 5, and 6, I think it was, and then Minnesota came back and tried to do it again, interrupted by World War II. Yeah, and before we get corrected, I'm talking about modern era as far as Yeah, the, no, I get yeah, it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I get it. Chris Carpman, he covers Arizona State. Yesterday, of course, was a buzzsaw for him. He joins us next on what has been the reaction in Tempe. What is? right now how stable is ray anderson's job as the athletic director we'll go over what we mentioned earlier thank you for those in the super chat and all the in the chat room today and this is 365 sports stonewood dental robinson texas my dentist is dr steve childress proud of that because he has been fantastic in helping me understand my dental work more than just you wake up you brush your teeth you floss every once in a while there's much more to that and especially when someone like me has probably not gotten some things fixed when they were ready to be fixed or needed it's better word to be fixed and then you let that go because you're scared to go to the dentist and you know what's going to happen you're going to get an injection in your jaw. There's going to be a like a chisel, whatever it might be, and that 
really scared me off for quite some time. And finally, I bumped into him during uh, right after, I think right after COVID, and went over there, had a dentist appointment with him. He said, okay, this, this, and this, you need to fix this in the next two or three years. And then this right here is something we're going to have to deal with at some point in the next three to five years. So let's get it done. And almost all of it has been done. Most recently, a crown in my back, right, lower jaw, had a cavity in my upper top, just a little bit in front of my left of my front teeth in the bicuspid and more. He can do it. He's done it for me. And if I can go back to the dentist and have confidence, you can too. Dr. Steve Childress in Robinson, Texas. During the Labor Day sales event, save big on a new Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months. Or a new Jeep Gladiator Sport with employee pricing for all plus 1.9% for 72 months and an extra $1,000 rebate. Or get a new Jeep Compass 10% off MSRP and no payments for 90 days on all offers at Allen Samuels in Waco. Come by. Let's be friends. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu alumni. size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new 
new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Chris Cartman, SunDevilSource.com has had a busy last few, of course, weeks because of what's happening with the Pac-12. And now Arizona State, a part of the Big 12 next year. And then the self-imposed bull ban. He joins Craig and Paul I'm David Smoke on 365 Sports. Chris, were the reasonings that I saw on your, your timeline earlier today on Twitter, is that enough, in your opinion, for what they did by the self-imposed bull ban? Well, um, they should have taken the bull ban last year. I, I think it was pretty obvious at the time that they were headed toward um, the, uh, having to have uh, a postseason where they weren't able to compete. Like, that – we knew that. Like I reported a year and a half ago that Herm Edwards personally participated in the impermissible recruiting on ASU's campus and other locations of multiple recruits and the, and the staff collectively more than two dozen prospects. And they, uh, a former staff member paid for the travel of one of these recruits. Other prospects had their travel paid for by other uh, people representing the program. I and mean, it was a very significant uh, an amount of rule breaking that took place, and, and, and ASU was aware of all of this. Um, literally, you know, a year and a half or more ago, maybe even two years ago, in, in a lot of cases, and they, for whatever reason, they dragged their feet. Maybe they thought that they'd be able to uh, wiggle their way out of, of this. Um, but a lot of the decisions that have been made have just been terrible. Like, for for example, they could have fired Herm Edwards for cause. They said they gave him a $4.4 million, which was half of his remaining contract. They could, they could have tried to do what Tennessee did in recent months, which was, uh, pay a fine, a significant fine, eight or nine million for, by Tennessee in lieu of a two year bull ban. That was like the average SEC bull pound amount. ASU could have taken the 4.4 million it gave to Herm Edwards and then tried to use that along with more rigorous uh, sanctions or on the front end last year that wouldn't have saddled Kingham or his team or all these new players uh, from from above. And I don't know for sure if that would have happened, but I mean nobody thought ASU was going to have a good year last year, and they could they could have just done all, done all this stuff last year. Chris, uh, what do you think this means? The way that this has been handled for Ray Anderson's long term future in that job he's had. Uh, a rough couple of years, to, to, to say the least. Right. So um, 
his contract runs through February of 2026. He's got two and a half more years. There's nothing right now that makes it uh, appear that he's in, in jeopardy of losing his job. Now, I will say that I have heard from more prominent boosters expressing dissatisfaction and a desire to see ASU go in a different way with its leadership uh, in, in the last couple of days than any time previously. I think people are fed up. They realize that uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt was probably not the, the, the smart thing. And uh, when you're trying to win and, and establish a foundation under a new coaching regime like Kay Dillingham, you need money to flow in from your prominent boosters, both directly to your program and also in terms of NIL. And there's a lot of money that I think is going to stay on the sidelines right now due to the lack of confidence in the leadership. And that is a, a very serious thing. And, and perhaps if that becomes uh, clearly understood by Michael Crow, the degree that this is impacting the program, how many boosters, how much money, I mean, there, there could be some evolution of perspective on his behalf, but he's been such an ardent supporter of uh, Ray Anderson that I think I wrote like, like 10 months ago, Ray Anderson should have already been fired previously, and things just keep getting worse. Chris, I think you kind of touched on it, but just to, to clarify, any idea? I mean, because the, the actual decision is still not out there yet, and as you mentioned, it's been an ongoing investigation, but any idea if this is something that's close and that's why they decided – you know, hey, let's, we might as well put it out there. And, and, you know, if you're going to skip a bowl game, if you were going to make a bowl game, you had to kind of announce that before the season. But is is there any sign that the NCAA is close to their investigation being done with the Sun Devils? Yes. Um, that is definitely uh, tethered to what, what just happened. Okay. Now, a lot of a lot of people know that for forever it's been – you get a notice of, it, of allegations, then you respond to that, and then there's a process that comes to the conclusion of the investigation and, and the penalty. It's different now. ASU is, is in a bifurcated case. Uh, basically, they make proposals to the Committee on Infractions that then either are viewed to be sufficient or insufficient uh, to bring this thing to a conclusion. Tennessee's case took, uh, I believe, at least three times of going back and forth over a period of, of months before they were able to come to the conclusion. But ASU already has had this, this dialogue with the Committee on Infractions, understood the, the, the serious nature of what has been found as part of the investigative process, and the, the, the self-imposing of a bull ban is with all of that knowledge and understanding that the that wasn't either that wasn't avoidable or ASU was going to have to pay some enormous amount of money to try to, uh, you know, get out of that, that bull man. And ASU doesn't have a lot of money right now. It's very significantly underwater, which ironically is due to a lot of decisions that have been made with coaches and buyouts. So you made it clear in that, that, that I guess the way that the bullet points that the first thing I thought about, and we discussed this yesterday, is, well, wait a minute, this isn't fair to the players. They can't transfer. But you, they couldn't have transferred. The window was April of 2023. Would you think any of them would have gotten a waiver had this been, let's say, announced two or three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe even late July? 
Well, I'm confident that some of them would have pursued that and, and, and tried. Um, yeah, it's true. Like the, 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 the entering the transfer portal window had closed, but the NCAA it, it, committee on this has tended to give leeway mm-hmm. when programs have, have sanctions. So uh, the timing of it really kind of looks like they were trying to lock everybody in with, with classes already starting a week and a half or so earlier and to be able to not lose players from their roster. I don't, I'm not saying that was intentionally their, their, what, what they decided to do, and I, 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 can't, I can't report anything like that, but that, of course, is how it's going to look. That's what a lot of people in the media have said. John Wilner and others I've seen have talked about the timing of this being really suspicious and something that is very negative uh, for the athletes. And I, I can't disagree with that. It, it, I, it's just another indicator of how poorly managed that ASU has been through all of these major situations. Kenny Dillingham was hot about it. And I, I thought his response was was great yesterday, Chris, that you guys uh, let us use. Um, I mean, also, I mean, you just hired him. He's an alum. He's trying to make things great going forward. They've got this great news in that. I don't know if it's great news, but look, they got Jaden Rashada, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, to come. He's going to start the first game. They've got all this good news, and then here you have this bad news, and you've put your uh, very, the probably the most talked about head coach you've had in a little while coming to Arizona State, uh, all this buzz, and you just rained all over it before he even gets started. I mean, just terrible. Um, now, we had one video clip alone in one tweet get like 600,000 views in 48 hours. Uh, which, I mean, that, that, that shows you, like, there's a lot of people paying attention to what's going on here. And he said he found out at 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday, which was less than two hours before they practiced. Now, that is really bad. Like, it, it's the first practice of a game week. There's no way that they're going to go out there and have a good practice immediately after that. And so the timing of it certainly wasn't discussed with Dillingham about when they would release it because he didn't find out until that morning. And that really is another sort of thing that shows uh, a lack of consideration for all the perspectives that they need to be incorporating into into their decision-making process. Let's just contrast this, if you guys want, with uh, Kaylin DeBoer at Washington's coach. He was so involved in the realignment that a lot of reporting is that he was the central figure because he didn't he didn't want to not be on linear TV that precipitated Washington, Oregon moving to the Big Ten. So that is a that is a much bigger and broader thing that Washington's coach is very involved in. And then you have a new coach, Kane Dillingham, who doesn't even get told or asked or anything about any of this until he just finds out. Uh, two hours before they start their first practice of their first game week. And we know a new coach in Boulder, Colorado, would have been <laughs> notified as well if any major decisions like that were going on. So, yeah, that's that's something for uh, for Arizona State fans and Dillingham to, to not be too happy about for sure. Uh, Chris, in terms of Rashada being the guy, the, the QB1 to start the season, um, just, I guess, what's been the reaction and what were kind of your thoughts? Was that a foregone conclusion at this point? Or, you know, how did you kind of break down uh, that decision? Yeah, so he joined ASU only a day or two before spring ball started. Um, he wasn't close to the other quarterbacks in the spring ball. And then even at the beginning of August, the first 
week and a half to two weeks of preseason camp, he wasn't even getting any first or second team reps because it was Drew Pine, Trent Borgay. But then Pine suffered a hamstring injury at Camp Pantazona in their scrimmage in the middle of the month. And all of a sudden, Rashada gets these reps, and then Borgay had a really bad week subsequent to that, including a scrimmage that was maybe his worst practice. And Rashada's development was like leaps and bounds, really, uh, throughout August. And then it was like, okay, like, what are we going to do? This is the most talented quarterback we have by far. Uh, long term, like, he's going to be the guy. Should we just decide to throw him out there and go with him right now? And I think one of the reasons that the answer was a, was a yes was he has a big play capability that the other options don't have. And then we saw that with his arm talent in yesterday's practice where – I mean, it was like a howitzer was out there. It was the best practice that we've seen of any of the quarterbacks this year. He threw five or six long touchdowns, including uh, one or two against the first-team defense and then several others against the scout team. And I thought that when they narrowed the playbook, uh, he started to flourish more and more as they get ready for their games. And so it, 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 the decision would have been a surprise like three weeks ago but then the way that things evolved quickly between then and now, it became not really that much of a surprise. Chris, perhaps this uh, is a little bit too aggressive of the question, but is there – Dillingham's pissed. I mean, he's living, and he has every right to feel that way. But he also – this is his first opportunity. Is there any way that this could damage his relationship with the school? I think that's to be determined, really. Um, keep in mind, like, the, the, the things that, that everybody saw – was right after he had basically yelled at the team for not competing as hard as he expects them to, uh, regardless of the circumstances. Like, you, you control your own effort and your attitude. People always know that's something that's widely said. And that's, he, he, was, he ripped them uh, with that message. And then he came over, and he was very angry because I think he didn't want that to be the way that their, their first game week started. And uh, presumably – like the fact that he wasn't clued in or none of this was discussed with him also was upsetting. Now, he had some positive things to say about Ray Anderson uh, yesterday at his first weekly press conference of the season um, and said that his relationship has been good with him and he hasn't had, there's basically there's no, there's no issues in what he said there as it relates directly with him. Now, maybe that's partly politics. Maybe that's partly trying to recenter after what had happened the prior day. I, I'm not exactly sure on that. But I do think that moving forward, it's an important relationship to watch. Uh, Dillingham needs a structure to be provided to him from the athletic department that creates an environment that makes it easier for him to be successful. And I think objectively, that hasn't happened nearly to the degree that it should. And that is one of the things that's led ASU fans and prominent boosters to be so unhappy right now. All right, Chris, you've done a great job with both what was happening with Arizona State and what was going to happen with the Big 12, which it did, and then also with this story, too, involving the Sun Devils' self-imposed bowl ban. Thank you very much for your time, and maybe it gets to normal once they start playing games this weekend. One can hope, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you, Chris Carpman. His video, the audio we had with Kenny Dillingham, as Paul mentioned, that was from him yesterday when Dillingham went off on the situation and how angry and frustrated he must have been and was, and for, for obviously good reason. Also good to get some 
you know, details like what he had just got done doing. So he was already pretty fired up. But I would imagine it wouldn't have taken much to get him fired up based on this decision. I mean, it just seems like a really badly run shop at the moment or maybe really badly is too harsh. Arizona State fans can correct me. I, I don't know. I'm going to have a few people, I think, that side with me, though, based on just all the things that have sort of added up. Um, we just heard him. I mean, he's there yeah, every day. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm just not like one to go like, all right, they're they're doomed, but it's not going great guys it's no. just not and and they could certainly do better i think uh, you know especially when you talk about you know sort of a new new start and a new future that they're going to be embarking on here um and you got a new coach too so um yeah it, it might be um you know a situation that uh, they they get through and then you know here pretty soon they realize that they need to make a move but i don't know it sounds like you know he's obviously got his supporters as well but this this last few months have not been a great look for sure. No, no. no, and and they are, you know, there are a lot of athletic programs that aren't hitting on their full cylinder, and they're just one of those that, that continues to surprise. But, yeah, and got to start moving forward and, and doing things the right way, and they just haven't been able to do that. And I I just, I wonder, I and I look, I wonder for Michael Crow and Ray Anderson, the way that all the Pac-12 things went down when it comes to, all right, let's review, you know, Michael Crow, like, okay, this – we had to make this 11th hour decision because you weren't really ready for it. Why were you in particular not ready for it? And some of your people in the other, the other parts of the conference were. Yeah. So yeah, it would be a hell is, of a thing if the NCAA said, okay, we'll take your bowl ban and we're still going to find you $8 million. I mean, they could. Yeah. Mm. They could absolutely could. I mean, Arizona State made a move to try and cut it off at the pass as best they could, like most other teams would do. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. And we'll see in their case. But, you know, not only have these last few months, I guess, been sort of up and down, but I know it goes back farther than that. I mean, it goes back to Herm Edwards and just what a disaster that was mm-hmm. and one they're still clearly recovering from and now, you know, having to deal with while he goes off back to, you know, the land of TV um, without any, you know, real repercussions, which I think is, is a real shame in all of this that, you know, the freshman wide receiver gets gets a more of a harsh punishment in some ways. But, yeah, that'll be a, an interesting situation to monitor. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, I don't know how, how good they'll be, but I am excited to see just Dillingham with what he's done in the game and the excitement that he brings and obvious passion for uh, Arizona State and Rashada. I mean, we've heard so much about him, so that'll be uh, fun to see how, how that goes. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprising if they, uh, if they have a bit of a rocky season. All right. Uh, thank you again for Chris for jumping on with us. Garrett, I just sent you an email. I'm not sure if you can get it up. Uh, very quickly, but it, it's it's a part of the ACC story from Andrea Adelson from uh, Adelson from ESPN. An update on that. We'll get to that. Nothing like urgent, but it, it's different than perhaps we've seen with some of the momentum about what they're trying to get done. Don't forget every night, ten thirty on the local CW. This show, three sixty five Sports tonight, starts at ten thirty. Emery will break it down into four specific segments, interviews, and discussion, and that will be again every weeknight at 10.30. And starting this weekend, our pregame show will be, of course, on either KWTX or the CW based on their college football schedule. Here's the tweet from Andrea Adelson from ESPN. Uh, Update here. No current scheduled president's call out of respect for what happened at UNC. We knew that. Jim Phillips, the commissioner, is going to Dallas for the college football meetings, which is tomorrow. My understanding, nobody has yet flipped on adding Cal Stanford and SMU, but talks do continue. All right, I, I just wanted this out of curiosity. Paul, you would know better than I do because I haven't gone out and, like, searched ACC Twitter 
And, you know, we were directly involved, so to speak, with all that happened prior to that with the Big 12. I mean, that was right here in the backyard. So we were up to date on all of kind of the emotions that were also involved in talking to one of the athletic directors on a weekly basis. Are ACC fans, like, excited about this? You know how Big 12 fans no. were excited about, like, no. like on the one hand, there's, there's like, Big 12 was excited because they just wanted to kill the pack and get revenge in a lot of ways. So there was that added, you know, emotion to it, and there's not really that here because I don't think the ACC is looking to kill the pack. But are they excited in general about, like, the new addition? Do you get that sense at all? No. Okay. Uh, I, I don't. And other than... You know, if you're a fan of Boston College, you just want the conference to stay together. Right, yeah. And you're, you're excited, okay, whatever you have to do to do that. But again, that just reeks of desperation, which doesn't mean you're on really solid footing going forward. It's like, whatever we have to do to make this work, you know, whatever we have to do. And that, that just never, that's never really works out well for, for anybody in the long run. And it's, I do like. I do think that there are like some positives that will come of this that have nothing to do with football at all. But uh, because it's going to force people into like really examining how they they logistically do Olympic sports yeah. moving forward. But outside of that, like outside of this being the test case for that very specifically, and maybe them being forced to do it before the Big Ten even would because there's less money involved. Um, I I just don't see people like excited about like ooh. Stanford, SMU, Cal, right. awesome. Now, had it been Oregon or somebody sure, that like yeah. sure. has some cachet, Utah. Utah, somebody who's won. Now, that's just kind of s- snobby fan stuff. But even still, I mean, it, look, and, I, and I'll just say this. If this was happening in the other direction where two of the ACC teams that were – you know, middle of the pack at best most of the time, we're all of a sudden going to the Pac-12. I'm sure Pac-12 fans would be like, all right, I mean, if this is what we got to do, but, I mean, I don't really care about, you know, Syracuse and and, and Pitt. You know, it just... Yeah, no, it's... it's, The emotions of the Big 12 and Pac-12 were because of previous situations and because then... Uh, it became a turf war yeah. when it comes to e- silly things like even on social media. And it got ugly and to the point where people were called a lot of different things, especially Big 12 fans in towns and cities and all that. Yeah. But, but so no, like I don't ACC see that and on and all that, that. And not no. weirdos trying to pull that across and no. you know, no. make that a whole thing. No. And then wondering why it gets personal no. <laughs> after you call no. people a yeah. bunch of names. But um, yeah, I just, that's, that's something that's clearly missing here. And I just, I feel that, but like, I don't know. Cause maybe there's a corner of Twitter where like NC state guys like fired up about <laughs> the Olympic sports or something. But I, I just get like, there's just a flat line of like excitement over this for the most part. Well, um, we- and it's out of necessity. And even when you hear like, well, all the other sports that'll be, it's like, no, but what is that? That doesn't the, bring money, though. We heard and the North what, Carolina coach and what he, the soccer right, coach, but, right? But even the talk about, like, well, hey, all these Olympic sports, and it's like, but the whole thing's about money, yes. and those are money losers. Those aren't, you know, money no. gainers. And so you're not, that's not as great as it sounds other than just having bragging rights. But how often was the ACC going like, yeah, baby, swimming and diving title, ACC, ACC. I just, you yeah, know. Yeah, there's so. pride in those sports from certain schools, but you're sure. right. As far as, and I would love to know, um, I, yeah, it would be neat to get like a feel for, let's say this Cal Stanford and SMU thing happens and there is pro rata or whatever that is, 72 million, I think is the number out, minus whatever else is going to be that gets knocked off or lopped off the top. The breakdown, how many teams are in the in the ACC? 14? 15. 15? Well, if you Notre, Dame? Notre Dame, yeah. All right, well, Notre Dame, would they not get a piece of this? See, that's the other thing. I mean, we're talking about Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina. Hey. 
I bet you that's something that might be hanging up Florida State and Clemson right now is, wait a minute. We're going to give Notre Dame some of this money, and they're not. They're not. They're, they're not, not sharing kicking, their money. They're not kicking in no. for us. So I just yeah. went, how it's going to? Is it going to be five or six million for some? One point five million for others. Is it going to be twelve million for a couple? That will be interesting to see how that does break down. If in fact it ever gets to that point. And on the uh, note that you just you know passed along there, uh, good to have you know an update that there's still something brewing and. I don't know. I feel like I should correct myself from earlier because earlier I talked about, well, it seems inevitable because why else would you have this so publicly? Although, of course, there are the PR games that take place, and I feel like there was clearly some of that from Cal and Stanford uh, to Washington some extent. Washington State? With, well, oh, no. you want this one, yeah. Uh, Cal and Stanford in the Big 12, you know, all of a sudden, oh, the Big 12. No, they're not. No, that they, you know, that, that just seemed pretty unbelievable, and so that did feel like it was more of a PR move to maybe, you know, gain some momentum, but... You know, I, I now question myself because you know, why would they so openly negotiate this if it wasn't a done deal? And then I realized, well, the Big 12 basically did this. You know, they courted these teams, what, four years ago and talked very openly about their pursuit and then in the end did nothing. Now, eventually they had to do something because then Oklahoma and Texas did leave. And so they had to go at Houston. But remember the whole courtship of nobody that took place just prior yeah. to that where they're like nope we're just gonna stay pat and got, gave everybody blue balls from houston to boise state <laughs> and you know all points in between so there's precedent you know just here recently so i guess that could happen but i don't know there's an awful lot of talk about it for for it to not go the way that it appears it's gonna go but if there's holdouts there's holdouts that's I why know. i called uh, yeah. matt baker to kind of just pick his brain and he really didn't know how it was gonna go or why anyone would change unless of course it came down to someone some of the schools are going to get a little bit more and not just two or three million more. All right. When we come back, College Football Hall of Fame class was released earlier this year. Uh, three names that uh, I've seen Derek Johnson, LaMichael James, and also Michael Bishop. Michael will join us at the top of the five o'clock hour, about 5 10, uh, and also discuss Kansas State. And then coming up, LaMichael James from Texarkana, Texas, Oregon, and partly with the NFL. He will join us next, and this is 365 Sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, 
and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience. It's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma, and they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers their body the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. It's always cool to see someone that you knew when they were much younger, and they go on and have tremendous success. LaMichael James, Liberty Ilo High School, University of Oregon, of course, also in the NFL with the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. He will be a part of the class into the College Football Hall of Fame, and he joins us. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, I'm David Smoke on 365 Sports. LaMichael, great to have you. I haven't talked to you in a long, long time. Covered you when you were at Liberty Ilo with the Leopards, but let's talk about the Hall of Fame and I know it's been out for a little bit, but what does this mean to you? And thank you for your time today. Oh, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I always like to talk to people from East Texas. It's been tremendous. And thanks for coming me when I was at Libby Island back in the corner of East Texas. Um, it's, a, it's a huge honor um, just to put East Texas on the map even more in Texarkana, uh, my high school, Libby Island, and just show kids back home that, you know, you can you can make it. You don't got to go to the OUs in the Texas. You can venture out and be your own person, and uh, you can make way. Now, you you went to Oregon, and that is, a, I mean, one of the, the great college football venues and all that. But what was that like from a kid from Liberty Isle High School to step in to that stadium and the first time out and like, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? Oh, man, it was a, it was a culture shock. It's just coming from East Texas, going to University of Oregon, uh, I'll say Pacific Northwest, it is a completely different environment, just people-wise, uh, football-wise, just everything is just completely different. But uh, it allowed me to stay focused and uh, just go out there and grind each and every week. And once you get in the stadium, man, you just try to 
lock out everything. You know, the first game they always told us that we're going to look in the stands, and I always told myself I wouldn't, but of course I did. Well, Michael, you always hear about the the relationships, and you know, I know that's one of the pull when you're being recruited is you know the the lifetime and the brotherhood and the relationship with the school and all of that. But I mean, you really seem to have you know been as much of an Oregon Duck as possible, and you rep the brand, and you're a great ambassador. And and granted, I don't see everything, but um, it's clear that you made the right choice. But just how important is that to you that that was something that lasted beyond your playing days and continues to? Yeah, um, we play a violent game. Like play football, and uh, man, we're all one snap away. And I always try to, you know, pride myself on how I carry myself. And uh, relationships are everything. You know, who's gonna cheer for you when you put the put the ball down? You know, you can't play football forever. Like I said, we're all one snap away. So I just try to be the best person I can be. And uh, I just genuinely love good relationships because you can take those throughout life. And University of Oregon has done a tremendous job of just doing that not only for myself but other athletes and I and I noticed as I was coming up through the ranks there like how they take care of their own you know if you need a job or you got alumni coming back and want to watch a game no matter where it is they always so love and that just registered to me and then here I am today I don't remember the exact timeline when Oregon put themselves on the map they have a history in college football but they jumped right smack in the middle of it the uniforms Nike etc what and how much did that impact Oregon and your decision? Well, when you know you're an 18 year old kid and you <laughs> come from East Texas, uh, you you want to wear the swoosh. And this is not the first time I've had this conversation. I've been recruited by like you know Mississippi State, uh, Arkansas recruiting me. I just named those two because they were Adidas schools, and I was like so against it. I was like, man, I am never going to wear Adidas because at that time Adidas wasn't as cool. So uh, when you go to University of Oregon and like you got Phil Knight and you see everything is Nike and coming from where I come from, you don't see a lot of that. So once I got there, uh, you know, 2008, it was like a whole different ball game. You got the cleats, the gloves, the headbands, like the visors, and I was like blown away by all of that stuff. And Oregon was like my last official visit. And Oregon, compared to everyone else, you know, at this time or at that time. Everyone was like laps away from uh, Oregon, so it it impacted my decision tremendously. I, I'll never forget uh, when you made the run. Liberty Ilo had won a state championship. Brandon Jones, I think, at the time was one of the stars of the program, and then you were there. Was Middlebrooks with you? Is that the same time when Will Middlebrook? Middle. Yeah, Middlebrooks was the uh, was my quarterback. Yeah, and he's one year older. And you guys had the. Uh, a showdown games at, at Lobo Stadium eventually beat Robinson in the state championship and much more. But just what was that like? Uh, Texarkana, I mean, Pleasant Grove recently has been really, really good out of Texarkana. We know about Texas High. What was that like to come out of an area in East Texas that was so hard to win titles? Ooh, man, I just remember the grind because um, I originally came from Texas. So I went to Texas Middle School. I was slated to go to Texas High, but I ended up going to Liberty Olive because I wanted I didn't want to cut my hair, which is <laughs> crazy because we talk about that right now. But I had like long braids and I was like, I ain't cutting my hair. So they made the rules, so I just went to Liberty Olive. Uh I knew a couple of kids because Texas County was small, so I knew a lot of kids that went over there. So once I made that move, you know, they're already a good team. And 
they had a running back. And honestly, I didn't even know what position I played just because football wasn't just like a huge part. I was just playing because I just wanted to play. Um, so I get on the team in eighth grade. Uh, and I mean, we won every game. We won every game, eighth grade, ninth grade, and just that camaraderie with the with the guys. And once we got to tenth grade with the other guys, like we knew we had a chance, but that was one huge uh, stop in front of us. Even like before the season, when all the books, I forgot what they're called now, the, the you know, the, the uh, Earl Campbell's book that came out in the summer. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? The it came out in the yeah. summer. And, yeah. Yeah, the day of Seattle. And I see, and it's like, Libby Aulo number three and Gilbert number one. They're slated for a first round, you know, match in. Ain't no way around it. We make it and we're going to play them. So the whole year, you're just thinking about that. You know, like you're playing to get in the playoffs, but you know, like you got a, you got a good one coming up. Well, Michael, uh, that state championship game, uh, you beat a team here in Waco Robinson, uh, and it was a, uh, uh, fake extra point that won it for you. Do you have memories of that? Like that moment, those things that like, it kind of maybe even spurs you on of like, man, that just the thrill of, of winning a game that way. Oh yeah. He lined up on the wrong side. <laughs> the holder. No. Oh, he like, I don't know what they were thinking. He lined up wrong and he was like, Oh, this is a fake. And I don't think it was no matter what, if he even tried to take, I don't think he was going to get that ball off. But I do remember that. And that's how we won the game. It was, a, it was a thriller at SMU. Remember it like it was yesterday. Actually, I remember every game we played throughout that run 35-34 uh, obviously Gilmer Carthage teams like that were really really good what was uh weren't you like uh just unbelievable in the game at Lobo Stadium against Gilmer yeah I remember it uh this is why I know I remember you too because I was going to Smokey when I was in high school and everybody picked Gilmer and I, <laughs> I remember I wrote it and I don't blame them, man. Even watching highlights of, you know, I say, I tell people all the time, Curtis Brown has to be like the best football player I've ever played against in my entire life. He was, he was that good. And that team was that good. And I remember just going out there on the field with him and they're in a whole different, uh, wavelength. But, you know, a lot of my guys had heart and we played hard too. So, uh, just going out there and, you know, having to play that game, I think it's probably one of the best games in East Texas, in my opinion, that, that I've been a part of. Now the coach for Gilmer is the head coach at UTSA. Yeah, Jeff uh, Trailer. Jeff yeah. Trailer. Uh, he's gone up the ranks. Was GJ on that team? I was trying to ask you that. GJ was with uh, Gilmer. It was uh, okay. Yeah, GJ uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He transferred from Canton. Right. Was he in that? And game? then he went to Gilmer. What, was he in that game, or was he, he a little bit? He, no, he was in there too. They had GJ Kenny. They had Snow. They had Justin Johnson. They had oh, Curtis God. Brown. Justin they had Johnson. all the receivers. Mm. Oh man, I can't. They had like eleven Division One kids on that team. It was, no, they it did. was unbelievable. Yeah, they did. Justin Johnson went to OU. Snow and Brown went to Texas. Yeah, they were they were absolutely loaded. Did GJ went yeah. to Texas initially. Yeah, we had GJ on yeah. yesterday, Lamichael. If I'd have known, we didn't get a hold of you till today. But I'd love to have asked him about it. He's now the head coach at Texas State, and they're playing Baylor on Saturday in Waco. Good dude, man. He's he's an awesome player too. So, LaMichael, I mean, you accomplished a lot uh, at Oregon. You know, all Pac-12, Doak Walker Award, played for a national title in what was an absolutely thrilling game. No, you came out on the, the short end of that. But did you ever, once your career was done, think about, you know, what was to come as far as honors and, and that one day, you know, you were going to be a guy going into the College Football Hall of Fame? Does that stuff cross your mind? Or, you know, uh, does that just kind of come out of nowhere and, and you're blown away by that? No. You know, I never, I never chase memories and I never chase goals. 
I kind of just let everything happen organically. That way, if you know, if you don't reach it, you know, you're not upset. You know, I just try to go out there and be the the best version of me. You know, even with the loss, people ask me like, "Oh, you lost this game to like your, um, Auburn in the national championship. How did you feel?" I'm like, you know what, man? Like, I went out there and I played as hard as I can. I gave everything I possibly could give that game that day. So coming out in the short end, sometimes it's like that. You know, sometimes you're just gonna come out in the the short end in life, but you got to keep persevering. Uh, we have a picture. You uh, sent this to me. You're an entrepreneur now, and uh, Garrett's going to put the picture up. Killer Burger, and you are involved in businesses, and you, you're kind of you kind of seem to enjoy this. Obviously, this is who you are now. You prepared for life after football and seem to be doing very well. How did you get into this, and, and how often uh, are you always looking for something else? Oh man, so. I always was going to be heavily involved with Oregon. Did a lot of stuff with Nike. Did some stuff with real estate. And then I was like, I want to open like a, a bar. Well, I don't drink. And I don't want no 2 a.m. phone calls either. So I was like, ah, maybe not do that. So then I went into this killer burger just in a random. I wasn't even in the city I lived in in Oregon. And then I was like, look it up. And so happened. I just reached out. And it went from uh, if to when. And then it just kind of took off really quick. In a matter of like four or five years, I have three stores and never really envisioned owning a restaurant, whole different ball game. But here I am doing it. Sometimes I look back at this situation and it's much harder than football. And I'm like, wow, you really have three legit restaurants in a four or five year span. Oh, I'm looking at the menu right now. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm about to jump on a plane to Oregon. I'm telling you, the I love the like the the this kind of like just to describe it to, to our audience that's not in Oregon or looking at this. Uh, you guys are like burgers, but you're not just like regular. You've got all kind of uh, it's science here, right, <laughs> Michael? Yep. In all these kind of different uh, toppings and different ways you can get them. So yeah, this this looks pretty pretty interesting. Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I, I we do have to ask you. Look, you're a Hall of Fame duck, Hall of Fame Oregon duck. That that school is moving to a new conference. You were you played in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 appears to be done. How do you feel about that? You know, from the just a long term perspective as an alum. Uh, the move. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was inevitable. Um, the Pac-12 has been in my personal opinion, just been, been a little spacey. I don't know what really happened, but it seems like a leadership thing. I didn't expect it to go to the Big Ten, but, you know, with the landscape of how football is now, it's all about the the coin, and, you know, it makes sense. Um, Football-wise, it's, it's easy, but then when you look at the situation of a, a whole, the whole conference, you know, it just seems, seems a bit odd. A lot of travel, you know, what if you got like a, a basketball team having a conference game and they got to go to, you know, Wisconsin, but, you know, way over there. It's just, it seems, it seems a bit odd. I would have liked him to see you go to the big 12. That seems like a common ground. That would have been interesting. And I think there was at least that thought that that could happen, but it took forever for finally the back 12, some schools to join the big 12, Oregon and Washington. I always thought we're just going to hold out for the big 10 and, and they got what they wanted. And ought to be interesting, man, you sound happy. Uh, love the pictures you sent to me. Love the memories. I know you say you don't chase all that, but, man, you put up a bunch of them. As Craig said, the Doak Walker Award winner and so much more. Proud of what you've done, LaMichael. 
and uh, where you have been and where you are now. It's a great story, and we appreciate you, and congratulations on the Hall of Fame. That is just fantastic. I, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having uh, having me on. And anybody out there listening, guys, great. Uh, always, you know, show love to my school and just was real about everything. And it's, it's great just to show love back to East Texas. Such a great part of Texas, man. It's the best part, in my opinion. Very unique area, no question. LaMichael James, Hall of Fame running back. He'll be inducted into a class that has just some massive names in it including uh, one we'll have on a little bit later on in Michael Bishop of Kansas State. Yeah, he had an incredible career there in Eugene and, you know, not that far away from winning a national championship. Uh, when you look back on uh, that that career and, you know, obviously uh, got a lot, to, lot done from the Doak Walker Award, all-conference, uh, played in a lot of big games, Pac-12 champ, all that good stuff. So, yeah, uh, definitely a Hall of Fame-worthy career, and, and he was a great player and seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders as well. And, you know, interesting, too, to get the, the reactions of guys on, you know, the pack to the Big Ten move for those schools, and it's not going to be like the end of the world. You know, like it's – I think that all we're, we're hearing, the big thing's like, yeah, I can kind of see that coming. You know, it's kind of interesting to hear, like, oh, I'm not surprised or, or whatever. And so he had some semblance of, you know, not not a ton of surprise, but um, it's it's definitely interesting territory. And, um, you know, I wonder, is he a future Big Ten Hall of Fame member? I don't know how that works yeah, I don't know exactly. Works but do they do that like the SEC did? And they, I don't know. They, like, wrap their hands around that, like the that S- win. The SEC is about to claim, like, seven new Heisman with Earl Campbell and, you know, yeah. uh, the Jason OU combination. And, yeah, you know, all these, All yeah. these teams. Yeah, I don't know I don't know how that works, but uh, certainly the pack, when the last sentence is written on that, uh, LaMichael James will, will have a, a sliver of that story for sure. To me, whatever conference you were in when you won a national title, that conference owns the national title. They can claim it. They, they get it. No matter if teams move on, and who knows now with the scramble, it's like a scrabble game with all the teams moving in and out of. But I, I can see where conferences eventually will, uh, I guess, grab on to history uh, from certain individual Heisman, et cetera, well, all Americas. But it, it does seem a little bit, I guess, a little greasy. Well, then again, though, I mean, I, I don't know that they're really bragging about national championships because, like, the Big 12 is like, we've got seven titles because of OU because then the Big 8 could say, well, no, we got some, or, you know, that that's. That's how it could also work. I mean, does the but if you're the SEC, I mean, are you really going to turn down being able to say that you added 11 national titles in football and yep. what like eight Heisman Trophy winners and you know all the rest of it? But um, yeah, no matter what, he's got a place in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so that's where you can find him and uh, certainly deserving after watching his career. All right, when we come back, Baylor's director of athletics, Mac Rhodes, in the opening of the 2023 college football season, and this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on. And uh, thankfully here lately, I've, knock on wood, not had to be in uh, a lot of touch with Richard Carr because my car's been working great. And the last time it was being worked on, it was worked on by the good folks over there. So months later, I can report no issues, and it's been driving like it never needed to get worked on in the first place. And that's part of the great customer service that they have over at Richard Carr. Um, And that's one of the things that they can offer. If you need to get an oil change, you need to get your tires repaired, whatever it may be that you're looking to do to just make sure that you've got the peace of mind that the car that you're driving 
is working well and going to be safe for you on the road. That peace of mind is, is nearly invaluable, but if you are you know, in need of a minor adjustment or something more major, you can contact the good folks over at Richard Carr and their customer uh, service department. They will get you good to go and back on the road. But if you are looking to actually obtain a vehicle, uh, whether new or pre-owned, they are your spot as well. Right now, 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s are discounted thousands. Qualified buyers can finance for points. They've got dozens of Sierras on the lot, and they've got the inventory. But they've also got the price and the financing to get you in a new GMC Sierra today. Maybe you are uh, more of a Buick person. Well, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. Buick has a luxury SUV without the luxury price. You can save $32.50 on the new 2023 Buick Encore GX. And qualified buyers can also get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2020. So there's some new offerings. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, well, they've got you covered there as well with hundreds of vehicles under, or excuse me, with dozens of vehicles under $25,000. Their financing philosophy at Richard Carr is 100% credit approval. They say yes when others say no. So whatever you're looking to do, get your car taken care of, buy a new vehicle, get a pre-owned vehicle. Um, for 24 years in Central Texas, they've been the people that you can count on for your automotive needs. Richard Carr, run by proud Central Texas, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to Richard car.com today call now or go see them now off highway six at the imperial exit with so many companies and policies out there it gets so confusing shopping for insurance and i never know if i'm getting the policy that's right for me luckily i met the team at the niche group insurance agency with the niche group you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs with the niche group i know i'm getting the right coverage at the right price if you need insurance talk to the experts at the niche group at 1-800-258-8302 how did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinade. 
marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Welcome back to 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Our weekly segment with Baylor Director of Athletics, Mac Rose, is brought to you by Edward Jones Investment Brokers, Ben Erlinson, Brad Wilson, Cam Heathcott, and Chuck Verno. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Baylor Director of Athletics, Mac Rose, with us most Tuesdays, if not, maybe another day during the week if we can. And he's always incredibly accessible. We appreciate his time. It's Game 1, Mac, Texas uh, State coming up on Saturday. A formidable team because of what they run offensively with G.J. Kinney, whose dad played at Baylor. Uh, your thoughts about just what's it like around the athletic department during the opening week with so many, like I guess, T's to, to cross and I's to dot? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, despite – you know the the additional as you as you put it teeth cross eyes the dot i think there's just uh, an additional pep in in everybody's step everybody you know is excited you know certainly looking forward to uh to the to the home opener um you know we we also have you know soccer playing it's it's first home opener when we think about you know uh la tech and then volleyball versus versus rice and so um, it's just an exciting week to, to be around and, you know, um, this is, uh, you know, the, uh, maybe the, the, the fun part of the job is, is looking forward to, uh, watching our, our teams, our, our student athletes, uh, compete. So, um, I'm fired up. Can't wait to be, be out there for, uh, for the game against, uh, Texas State. And you mentioned, you know, uh, Coach Kenny and, um, not only did his, his father play here, but um, he has a brother that's yep. a, that's a walk on our team, and and uh, so there's uh, there's some connection there. And uh, and you're right, he uh, he uh, certainly uh, has a has a you know has a history of a of a prolific offense, and uh, we need to be ready to play. Mac, um, 
after the did you, how much did you get to watch of uh, like new rules games last week and what do you take away from what you've seen if anything yeah uh great question you know um i don't i don't know that i you know that i i noticed much of a, a difference now you know maybe maybe you guys can can educate me and inform me but i i haven't heard you know in the aftermath of those games you know how many how many plus less plays were, were run, you know, um, and, and, or were there, you know, less, less plays run. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of what that will look like at the, at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, for, for me, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, Saturday, you know, had, had some events, had, had meet the bears, by the way, shout out to, uh, to all of our fans. Um, you know, I drove up to, to McLean and I think I looked uh, at the at the temperature in the car and it was 106 outside, and I'm like, man, who's who's coming to this? And uh, it was <laughs> the uh, the concourses were packed, and you know, our student athletes were there, our coaches were there, so just grateful to to the Baylor family for for coming on out. But uh, anyway, so I, I did watch a little bit. I watched the Notre Dame Navy game, and and uh, and it. You know, again, just recollecting. I don't. I don't know that there was a, a huge, huge difference for me. So, um, but uh, you know, didn't didn't get to to watch USC in San Jose because that's that's on the Pac-12 network, and I'm not even sure, you know, how to how to watch that, where to watch that. You and many others, Mac. <laughs> you and many, many, many others. But uh, you know, in terms of that that fan experience, and you know, being out at McLean, uh, just in general. I mean, I know you. You know, once the season's over, you, you review and, and you look at things that you can improve or change or whatever. And just what was kind of the thought process of, of heading into another football season? Was there, you know, a to do list in terms of um, McLean Stadium or things that you would like to see, or when people show up on Saturdays, going to be about what they've come to expect? Just the game day experience how have you guys tweaked or or i guess remained the same in that regard yeah craig i, I appreciate the, the the question i'm gonna be really really honest with you you know i'm probably not not in the weeds as much as i used to be in it just given everything else i've, I've got going on but sure. uh, you know we got great great staff and you know really appreciate all the work that, that aaron bean does in the in the space and you know um there were, you know, intentional conversations following, you know, following the season and certainly leading up to, to this season. You know, what can we do to make, you know, uh, certainly the pregame when we think about, about music and, and activation of a video board and then, you know, some of the, the in-game stuff, you know, um, again, thinking about band, music, um, how do we get in and out of, of in-game promotion sponsorship items, recognition items, um, you know, maybe, maybe at a, at a quicker, quicker pace with, with, um, with, with more energy. And, and so, um, you know, those, those are the things that, you know, certainly, certainly come to mind for, for me, you know, we, we need our fans, obviously, you know, the main reason is we're coming to watch our, our football team, you know, compete on the, on the field, but then, you know, in between plays, timeouts making sure that we have things that that are capturing their intention and that they're they're high energy and so that's really what we what we talked about you know primarily is this this idea of of uh high energy and um and again not not a lot of lull Mm -hmm. Um, that that is something that 
that I really struggle. Like if there's a lull, um, man, that's, that's, that's not good. And, and, uh, we'll probably have a, a conversation that, that next day with staff. So, but, uh, Aaron and, uh, and her team have done a, have done a great job. Game this Saturday night, Texas state it's on ESPN plus. Then you have the national game with Utah and the 11 o'clock kick. And I've had a few people ask me this. I really don't sometimes pay attention to the time until it's the week of because of just trying to get through the first week and things we have to do as well. But the Long Island game is an 11 o'clock game. Chris Pesman at Houston had made a comment about he was adamant about trying to avoid as many of those as possible, especially right now with the temperatures. But there's no good time, I guess, with the temperatures. What was the, the thought process when you saw that was an 11 o'clock kick? And did you kind of try to maybe argue that it should be later in the day? Yeah, so it's um, – I appreciate the question because it's um, – we are we are thoughtful. Now, as, as you know, um, it's it's rare when when you get to control the, the game time. And so when you, you think about our 12-game schedule this year, we, we control the, the game time on, on two of them, right? The opener versus, versus Texas State. And, you know, we were, we were intentional about, about the, the 6 p.m. Um, I think prior, primarily, you know, some of it um, weather, um, you know, making, making sure that, you know, it was – um, the, the best opportunity, you know, to, to get as, as many Baylor fans in. Now, with that said, quite frankly, when we've looked at attendance numbers, 11 a.m. versus 6 p.m. kickoffs for, for similar, similar opponents, um, the, the difference in terms of, in terms of attendance is, is almost, um, it's almost nil. I mean, there are almost the, the, uh, the exact same, same results. And so when we thought about, you know, Long Beach State. Um, uh, I'll just be honest; it, it was really, um, you know, more probably that game time with recovery and and getting uh, the game done with with uh, you know in a in an early fashion, getting our student athletes to, to rest and to, and to recover at least for for half the day day Saturday knowing that we we have UT coming coming to town that that following week so that was probably the the primary driver for that um was just thinking about hey you know how do we how do we best put ourselves in in a in a position to play our our very best uh you know that that following week um our conference you know, our conference home opener and, and obviously certainly, certainly a rival. So hope, you know, hope that makes, hope that makes sense. And, you know, what's, what's interesting, you didn't ask me about it, but, um, you know, um, if, if, um, uh, the, the, uh, you know, if, if the, the Florida Utah game, right. Um, you know, if, if we were, for instance, our home opener was was a road game, we, we would have we would have probably really really pushed, you know, for that to be a, a different day, you know, and 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 look to it to, to be early. Um, the the fact that you know um, Utah has to travel here, um, if they didn't have to travel here, we'd also have looked to to move that game up because they play, as you know, on a Thursday. 
And so they're going to have a little bit more prep time than, than we will going into the, the, the matchup that second Saturday at 11 a.m. And so, you know, we talked about that. We talked about, hey, you know, do we do we move up? Do we move up the, the, the Texas, State, uh, Texas State game? And if we had to travel to Utah, um, we probably would have tried to pull that off. So there's all of those conversations are going on behind the scenes. Mac, now that you do, you mentioned the Utah game. I mean, it is one of the hardest things that you have to do is schedule non-conference football games. Uh, it is uh, maybe the hardest thing outside of, of hiring and firing coaches that, that you have to do because there is so much involved in getting it done. Now, of course, it's going to be a conference game next year. But to see one finally, like when you got BYU in here, when you get Utah and see that game finally come to fruition. Like, what is that feeling like as an athletic director? Yeah, I, uh, I wish they weren't as, as good as they were. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, it's, I, I mean, look, it's, um, you do, you know, you balance, right. You balance, uh, again, just, you know, really candid, you, you balance, um, you know, competitive matchups, um, matchups that, that your fans are going to be really, really interested in and, and excited about. And then, you know, where your, where your program's at, you know, um, the, the whole idea of, you know, um, the, the, the competitiveness standpoint, the, the ability to win, win games, right. Um, and, and how that, that impacts you, particularly in the, in the, uh, in the uh, beginning beginning of the of the year, you know, I, I think our programs at a at a at a place where you know we can we can compete against you know uh, somebody like uh, a Utah national brand, um, and so you know I'm I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I can't certainly can't wait for that game, and and yet. You know, we uh, we better be ready to play this this Saturday against Texas State and make sure that that uh, we have great respect for them as an opponent. This is a little random, and I think it, uh, I meant to ask you this last week, and Gene Taylor's since commented on it, and Brett Yormark had commented on it before, but. With all of the changes in the Big Twelve, I know the commissioner, you know, has talked about rebranding. That's not talking about a name change, right? I, I, like I said, Gene Taylor commented it seemed to shoot that down. I think your mark might have commented about that as well, but just wanted to, to get clarity and, and uh, obviously your thoughts on that as well when it comes to the Big 12 rebranding given all the new institutions. Yeah, I mean, we, we have spent, as you can imagine, uh, a lot of time in this space as a, as a conference having, uh, you know, all kinds of different different conversations and you know at, at one point in time you know we we talked about a a complete rebrand a new name um you know how do we do that it was interesting you know when when we had that conversation the four incoming you know the houston's the cincinnati's uh, the ucs and, and byu they were like wow no like I, I i don't want you to change the the name you know, Big 12, because that has such great equity. And our, our fans are so excited about about going into the, the, the Big 12. And, and certainly, you know, not the primary reason why we didn't, but it, it made us stop and, and, uh, and think about that. So we've had a variety of conversations. And I think, you know, right now, pretty safe to say moving forward, um, you know, it'll be more of a what we call a refresh that uh, the name will remain the same, but maybe the 
the look of the logo, maybe the way we treat the logo, all of those things will be will be different when we uh, when we uh, think about you know July one, twenty twenty four, and the other four schools coming in. So um, yeah, right now I, I think we, we we stay with the name Big Big Twelve, but it but it probably you know looks maybe a little bit different. Um, you you've heard. You know the phrase you maybe a maybe a little bit hipper, a little bit a little bit cooler. All right, so I know that it just happened. It's fresh with Utah and the other schools coming to the Big Twelve, but you do have Utah scheduled also next year for a game there. Um, is that something where you've already had discussions on whether they'll be a part of your Big Twelve schedule, or is that an algorithm? And then have you already had discussions on how you replace that game? Yeah, so we we've had uh, conversations, you know, as a as a conference and and internally, and you know, we've got a subgroup. I can't remember how many of us there there are. There's you know four or five of us, but this uh, subgroup of athletic directors that are really taking a look at football schedule moving moving forward. And you've got some uniqueness, uh, especially when you think about you know the the first two years that uh, that the four four pack 12 join us right you've got us playing at at utah and in, in uh, 2024 and then you've got kansas state arizona playing in a in a home home and home so 24 and 25 and so how do we how do we treat that um and and i think you know the the things that that have obviously been di- discussed is like can you can you even get you know uh another another opponent and you know, for, for us, you know, that, that opponent would need to be, you know, power five, just to uh, make sure that we, we adhere to, to, to our, to the, to the big 12 scheduling policies. I think, you know, for Utah, um, you know, they're going to have to, the way their schedule is, they, they would have to look to, to try to replace two games. Um, and so, you know, that's an option, you know, what do we do? What do we, what do we, uh, do we, do we have an opportunity to replace the game and or, you know, do we, do we play the game? And, and that's just a game that's not, not counted as a, mm. as a, as a conference game. And so those are, those are all of the things that, that, that are on the table that we we've talked about. We, we haven't landed in, in any one direction and, and probably won't for at least, you know, the next, next couple months. Yeah, North Carolina Wake Forest did that a couple of years ago where they the ACC schedule spun out that two, two of these big rivals weren't going to play, and they said, well, can we play and just be a non-conference game? And that's what they did. Yeah. It's, so there's – Paul, and I appreciate you, you saying that. There's certainly precedence for it. Um, you know, I think I told you that um, the, uh, the the only, the only email that I received that maybe wasn't uh, – uh, extremely supportive of, of the uh, of the uh, Big 12 expansion, the addition of the uh, of the four new members is uh, I, I got an email that uh, uh, somebody said that it now ruined um, their their trip to Salt Lake City in in 2024. So um, we'll we'll we can uh, we can find a way that for that game still to happen. If you don't mind on a non conference game, you also have Auburn. They have a massive stadium, eighty seven thousand. Obviously, Oregon's down the road. How often, if you do a home-and-home home Mac, does the size of McLean Stadium come into play or size of stadiums come into play when it comes to a home-and-home? Home? Do some schools just want to make sure they're playing in front of the, the, the huge 
75,000 or more because Auburn obviously accepted the, the opportunity. Yeah, it's it, at least, you know, since I've been here and then you know, even my past experiences at other schools, it's it's never really been a, a topic of discussion. You know, I, I think, you know, for places like uh, like in, in Auburn and, and even, you know, in Oregon, um, you know, I, I think, you know, they they certainly want to want to play in uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that, you know, um, Oregon, Texas Tech begin their, yep. their home and home this year. And uh, and so, yeah, never, never been um, never been a, a, a topic. I, I do think that people know and understand that, you know, when McLean Stadium is is packed and uh, completely sold out, it's a it's a pretty tough environment to, to play in. And, you know, uh, I do think people think about that. But um, now it's, it's never been a, a, a hurdle for us. As we enter this football season, Mac, there's obviously a lot of changes. Uh, Dave Aranda, whether it be staff or the roster, et cetera. Um, and, and last year was tough by the end of it, especially. Just kind of what are your, your not necessarily your expectations, but I guess kind of that, just your feeling of, of surrounding the football program as they get ready to embark on this, this new campaign on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think, you know, personally, um, and I'm not sure it really matters, you know, uh, where, where Mac Rhodes is, but, but I think personally, um, I'm in a really good place. Uh, I feel really, really, uh, excited, you know, for the, for the season, really, really optimistic. Um, I think you all know, I've said it several times, have great, uh, great faith in, in coach Aranda. Uh, I think he's a, he's a heck of a football coach. I think he's a he's a heck of a leader. Certainly love the staff that that he's assembled and and has put together. You know, I think some of the the, the, the key areas um, where maybe we we had some holes. I think he uh, did a did a great job. The staff did a great job in in terms of the uh, the, the transfer portal. And you know, you've heard him say it before. Uh, the, uh, the 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 young men that transferred in. Um, like all of them, high character, uh, instant, instant leaders. Um, you know, I can, I can see a, a change in, you know, in, in Blake. Um, you know, I can just, you know, uh, see it and, and hear it, feel it. Just somebody that's, that's more confident, more vocal as a leader. There, there seems to be more internal accountability. Um, so, so maybe better, better leadership. You know, with within the within the team, you know, coming from from our student athletes, rather than in having to come from our from our coaching staff. Like I think it was a, a great summer. Uh, well, really starting back in in January of just you know working hard in in the weight room and and uh, you know uh, just you know uh, really really good preparation there. So. You know, I'm I'm optimistic. As as you know, this is going to be a, a you know, um, since I've been here, I, I think this is going to be you know the most balanced, uh, the most competitive the the Big 12's been, and uh, and so I think the the, the margin of error, uh, as as usual, but but maybe more so than ever, is extremely extremely thin. You know, back in 2021. We, we won a lot of close games. 
the, the, the close games last year uh, seemed to, to fall, you know, uh, a, a different way. And so, you know, uh, we're going to, we're going to have to be able to find a way to win close games. And, you know, is that, you know, is that leadership, is that, that maturity? Um, I think it's, I think it's all of those things. So, um, and, you know, I don't, I don't mind putting this out, out there because it's real. I mean, obviously we, we expect to, to, to go to, to, to postseason and, um, you know, we, uh, we, we believe that, uh, we, we have a program. We're building a program that, that should compete for, for conference championships, uh, on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, so that's, that's the goal. That's, that's always going to be the goal. And, um, and that's the goal this year as well. Mac, if you don't mind, I know you'll hang up when I bring up realignment but uh, or expansion, but are you monitoring, at least as a conference, what's happening with the ACC? Can that affect the Big 12 and the way you think about expansion? And Stanford and Cal, there was no way in, well, the word I could use, I'm not going to, that Stanford and Cal ever wanted to be a part of the Big 12, was there? Yeah, um, you know, um, so I, I think, you know, absolutely. Uh, I'd be disingenuous if I said we're, we're not monitoring it and, and not, you know, interested interested bystanders. Now, you know, um, I'm not sure that that impacts us um, in any any positive or, or any or any negative way, quite quite frankly. You know, uh, obviously SMU a part of that mix in in uh, in Dallas, and you know I, I certainly you know I hope for for SMU that's a that's a real opportunity because I've got great respect for for Rick Hart and, and the SMU program, and you know just you know wasn't going to happen you know in the in the Big Twelve just you know probably didn't need an additional um, Texas team so. Um, and you know, when you think about Stanford, Cal, big, uh, big 12, um, I just, you know, at, at some point in time, the numbers didn't work. Um, when you, when you thought about, you know, our TV partners, you know, um, the, the pro rata clause was up to 16 teams. And so, um, you know, I think there was, there, it would have been really, really difficult to, to add, you know, any additional um, without, you know, really um, some significant delusion to, to the rest of the membership. So those were all things that were obviously talked about, considered, thought through. Um, and uh, and so, again, we're, where we're at, the, the 16, I think we've, we've landed in a great spot. And, um, that's That's where we are for at least now. Thank you, Mac. Appreciate your time. See you Saturday. Mac Rhodes, Baylor's Director of Athletics, with us on most Tuesdays on 365 Sports. I mentioned the comment about Auburn Massive Stadium, 87,000. It's the 12th largest stadium in college football. I know Jim R. said, Massive, what about Penn State and Michigan? 
I know all about how the 100,000-plus stadiums, including one in Austin and also one that's in College Station, I get that, but 87,000 is still the 12th largest stadium uh, in America and as far as college football. So it wasn't trying to say they've had the largest, but that is a big stadium, and a lot of the SEC stadiums, there's a big chunk of them, of course, have that 75,000-plus. Yeah, I think if you're 75K or you know, 80-plus, then you're pretty, you know, sizable outfit there but you know certainly there's that 100 mark that uh a few of the teams a couple you just mentioned have been able to to cross but yeah i mean that's that's still a significant chunk and you know oregon's not a big place um i think they're a little over 51 yeah like 50 a little over 50 utah's about the same yeah so i think you know that uh that baylor's is has got the capability to go a little higher but they haven't necessarily needed to i think had things stayed on track with Bryles in like 2015 on they just not skipped a beat I think that maybe you would have seen the urgency to expand a little bit and take advantage of that perhaps but it's not a it's not a big fan base it's just not no, not a big alumni base yeah, yeah, it's just but. not so um, you know not everybody's built to have 80,000 seats much less 100,000 110,000 um, yeah that's just uh, the way the the way that it works all yeah. right yeah I don't I don't know like it would it would have had to be like 20 years of like, man, we're selling at every game. Yeah, they right. have to get an additional yeah. 10,000. They yeah. would have had to have played for a national title or in the sem- at the time, the, the college football playoff, which got so They were knocking on the door, right man. There. Like, I don't think that that yep. – playoff era, I don't think that would have been too crazy, honestly. But two years later, they all held Kind of proof in the pudding last year with TCU, honestly, because yep. there was a lot of, you know, resemblance there. But, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot to unpack from that. I thought it was – you know, answer there at the interesting about we're definitely you know paying attention, but acknowledges like SM, they they don't need SMU, they don't, they don't need a, a school in Texas to uh, to add to what they already have there. But for the ACC, that's you know a different story. They don't have any Texas representation, but it sounds like the Big Twelve is just kind of repeating what they have here late. Of you know we're always looking or listening, but not necessarily pursuing uh, at the moment. And doesn't sound like uh, Cal and Stanford really got too far down the. The I think, road before that was. I think he was not being a possibility. Nice. Yeah. All I hope is if they if they do it, that before Florida State figures out a way to leave, that they send them to Dallas a couple times so I can just drive ninety miles and go see them. <laughs> well, you went to Norman once and enjoyed it. I also went to AT and T Stadium once and it, it and eventually enjoyed it, but I was white knuckling that game the whole time that they played against Oklahoma State. So, when we come back, uh, Craig and off the radar, just after five former All American and Hall of Fame, soon to be Hall of Fame college football member in Michael Bishop, Craig and Paul, both with their segments off the radar than the top five in an hour, and this is three sixty five Sports, Texas Beef House. They're going to be uh, at one of our games that we do, a tailgate, 365 Sports, Sikkim 365 Radio. And they're going to be, I think it might be the Texas game at the end of September. They're going to be full throttle and helping us with a lot of what we do during the tailgating area on the Brazos parking lot, uh, Brazos parking tailgate lot. Uh, where's the best beef in Texas? It's your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. And it's raised right outside of Tyler in East Texas in White House. The Duval family has done a fantastic job. If you contact them, go to TexasBeefHouse.com. If you contact them to buy hamburgers or brisket or steaks or all of it, use hashtag Sikkim10 
and they will also give you a 10% discount on your order. Uh, it's unbelievable. You hear about Wagyu beef and how good it is, but then you also have that aged Wagyu beef that makes it even more special. When I have a chance about once every two or three weeks to talk to Samantha Duvall, who's in charge of their marketing, it is crazy good what they do with what they have. And in fact, you know, uh, Kim, I think Paxton, a uh, retired stockbroker, many of you have ordered at TexasBeefHouse.com. The uh, starter grill pack, eight burgers, five garlic sausage, two fillets, two strips, and also sirloins. And also, uh, Samantha one time threw in a summer sausage for $139.50. It will be shipped to you. Someone asked me, can they ship to every state? I think every of the contiguous, contiguous excuse me, states, the United States, they will get their product to you. Raised on their farm in White House, Texas, Texas Beef House, TexasBeefHouse.com. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. Get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wrap, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bar, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly. 
rapidly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenneth. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, welcome into 365 Sports. Welcome back, welcome in, what have you. It's time for Off the Radar. Tuesdays, Thursdays, around 445. Take a look at a grab bag of topics or headlines from around the world of sports and Feels like we're starting to kind of get a little uptick in news going on. Not quite into full football mode where like there won't be enough time to be able to mention everything that's going on, especially after this weekend and all of college football uh, opens up. But uh, a good number of things to, to get to here. And today, notably, is uh, NFL Cut Day. Uh, and with the new rules, we had some you know, kind of baby steps to get here. You drop from 90 to 85, and then a little bit of time would go by. You drop from 85 to 90, and then eventually about this time you drop from 80 to 53. Well, because of the rules in place now, you just go straight from 90 to 53. So as soon as the preseason wrapped up, uh, some cuts had already been made, but uh, a lot of them being made today. And for, you know, Baylor fans, I'll have a, a roundup, uh, official roundup at some point in the next couple of days once all of this uh, settles down, but there were a couple of notables, and uh, Deuce Vaughn was one of those notables. I mean, I don't know how much of a shock he was that he made the Cowboys 53. They obviously raved about him in the preseason, but just to see that official was pretty cool, yeah. uh, given you just never know, and uh, and given the size and all that, but I think he proved himself well during camp in the preseason, and Paul, I mean, what are we kind of expecting as far as Deuce Vaughn and any roll on the field during the regular season. I think he's going to find his way to the second running back spot before it's said and done. I mean, Rico Daddle is fine, and he knows the offense probably maybe a little bit better than Deuce does. But remember, he comes from he comes from a guy who's a scout in the system, so he's grown up around it. I don't think it's going to take him all that long. You've seen him play really well. He has game-breaking ability that, that even a lot of guys in the league don't have. He's a, he's a special player when it comes to that so I think they're going to find a way to use him while they got him so yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a, a pretty significant role down the line of the season because when they had Tony Pollard and Zeke they used both of them so now they have Tony Pollard and and Deuce what I expect to the guy that came in sometimes uh is it Davis who he, was Malik Davis got cut today okay they, um decided to keep Rico Daddle who I think they felt was a little bit more advanced because okay. I thought um, when Davis was in the game maybe it was mop up or well, the other team was worn out but I thought he was pretty good but I get that rotation no. for the second and third team running they, back. they also the Cowboys also kept uh North Dakota State running back fullback Hunter Lupke so that's exciting for fullbacks everywhere yes at least for a week yeah, for a little <laughs> At least for while. a week. Yeah, for you a know. little while. But I mean, there's there's like way too much to try to unpack from 
all the NFL cuts because, as I said, hundred players. Yeah, right? it's it's a good number of players. Uh, but Deuce Vaughn was a notable. I also saw Max Duggan released uh, by the Chargers, so that uh, stint did not last long. Even though the whole you know NFL LA empire of, of of two franchises seemed like they went just TCU crazy during the draft, and Duggan was one of those picks for the Chargers. But he had, he was released. Um, there were some other. I mean, Colt McCoy got cut. Um, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, and yeah. that you know brought to a close a, a pretty lengthy NFL career for at least the time being. But I mean, he's thirty six year old, thirty six years old at this point. He's carved out a great NFL career for himself and made a lot of money. Um, you know, I'm sure made a lot of friendships and all the rest of that. But that was a notable guy uh, cut as well. Um, Clyde I, Edwards Alaire in Kansas City. Uh, wow. I mean, the, to get to the point where they just kind of interchange guys, it seems like he's a first round pick. Uh, but uh, Colt McCoy, look the page. Patriots also cut Bailey Zappi today and yeah, Malik Cunningham. Yep. They Earl Campbell a winner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they don't have a second quarterback, and their other quarterbacks were both young guys. I would almost be willing to bet that Colt McCoy is the Patriots' backup quarterback by this time Thursday. Okay. All okay. right. I would think somebody would pick him up. He's a, a Would he be considered, first of all, we know how great he was at Texas, a journeyman quarterback and there's guys that you'd rather have someone like that on your bench or on the sideline just in case because at least they have they've been through that experience of having to play pretty quickly because of an injury okay i'll take that back Clyde was a layer i don't think he did actually get cut i thought that okay that was speculation so good refrain on that sorry no 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 disrespect to your lsu guy i was wondering i was i know there's there's talk about it though and that's why (laughs) i came came across the the headline there's talks about trading him and um, you know, potentially moving on somewhere else. But, yeah, I thought I'd seen that in, in double backing. Uh, I'm glad that I uh, clarify there. But, yeah, Colt McCoy, uh, we saw that, um, you know, take place yesterday. Max Duggan. Um, and there's there's a lot of other just notable names, especially if you're scouring, you know, from a college football perspective. But Bailey Zappi's one of those. Yeah, you won the Earl Campbell Award. And, you know, that's an award that, uh, looking back on it, we could have just said, who will be the best NFL player? And done it that way. But mm-hmm. that's not what the award's for. It's for who had the best year in college football. And so um, that year uh, wasn't, I, I will say this, was not the strongest for Texas talent, but he put up monster numbers. And, and now you're seeing that offense in Lubbock with Texas Tech um, and Zach Kitley. But um, a, a couple of Baylor guys that I'll mention here, just seeing them come down the pipeline. Uh, Denzel Mims, we already knew about that for the last like couple of weeks, but Connor Galvin released by the Lions, William Bradley King by the Commanders. He had kind of just been hanging on for a couple of years, mostly a practice squad guy. Galvin, um, yeah, I mean, big tall guy, but Man, just after his junior year, right? Yeah, everyone was raving about him, and then I remember that conversation with a scout at one of the games early. They just felt like he never got big or strong enough, and that. He didn't get drafted. Or did he get drafted? Did he get drafted? No, he was no. undrafted. Undrafted. He came off that great 21 season, but, yeah, that's that's short and quick. Yeah, so uh, we'll see if he can't, uh, you know, find another landing spot. Mark Milton cut by the Panthers. Sam Tecklenburg cut by the Panthers. And they had already cut Bravey on Roy, so you know what that means, right? The Panthers are free of Matt Rule Baylor guys yeah. uh, as they got rid of the last two in both Milton and Tecklenburg. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, kind of the, the last of an era there. And, um, 
Kalen Barnes, also a name that came across the wire. He was cut yesterday by the Minnesota Vikings. So there's more than a handful of guys already, and Blake, I haven't been able to keep track for Blake Lynch got cut by the Chargers. Okay, he had just been picked up about a, two yeah. weeks ago, so that was a relatively short stint for him and not all that surprising given that he had just been picked up. But, yeah, go ahead and throw him into the pile. Ben and- Sims. Ben, oh, that's unfortunate. I was kind of hoping he'd be able to find a way. So that's a bummer. Well, that's another. Now we're approaching double digits uh, as far as that goes. And I would imagine by the time we get done that there will be uh, double digits uh, of those names. And I'll have that at some point uh, over on uh, the website. Meanwhile, a little around the horn elsewhere, uh, U.S. Ryder Cup captains get picked. And I know there was some, uh, what, some controversy you know, kind of surrounding this, but Zach Johnson, the uh, Ryder Cup captain, announcing that Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Sam Burns, and Justin Thomas uh, will be a part of this year's Ryder Cup team. Uh, they also had the six that had already qualified, which included Scotty Scheffler, uh, Scheffler Xander Shoffley, Max Homa, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark, and Patrick Those Cantley. guys played their way onto yes, the team based on points. And had already qualified yep. for the uh, the membership on the team. And then the names Burns, Thomas, Morikawa, Spieth, Fowler, Kepka. those were all uh, captain's picks by Zach Johnson. So for those who don't follow, why the controversy here? Well, because Brooks Kepka, of course, went to live, and the thought was you're not going to be able to play at all on the tour. But then the major said, no, you could play in the majors, and he won a major. I also think Brooks Kepka earned his way on the, the, the team, even if there's the controversy of whether you went there. Like, there was no way in hell that Mickelson was going to be on the Ryder Cup or a couple of others. There were probably thoughts about, okay, Brandon uh, Bryson DeChambeau was playing well enough. But Kepka, when he left, he really never took any pot shots at the tour. He was in a bad mental and physical state. If you watched uh, whatever that, uh, that that series was, full swing, yeah. and then he won, and then he was good. And I, I just think that, that he probably did not burn any bridges. Not that you can't, but he didn't. I don't think he did. Well, no, and, and, and look, the other here. part of it was that uh, Ke- Keegan Bradley had a great run this year, but JT, uh, uh, Golly, I just, Justin, Thomas. Justin Thomas and Spieth together or their Ryder Cup records, very impressive. And so, I mean, that's just one of those you go with your gut and the experience right there. Yeah, I, I think also just, look, the PGA and the Live are going to have to make peace because it's coming anyway, right? I mean, they're going to have to do it. This is a good way to start that. Um, you know, the guys are going to be back. It's all together now. And if you also want to win, you can have the best golfers going, right? And Kepka's that. So I, I, as much as I, you know, and if you watch, you know, not a fan of the live, not a fan of anybody, you know, chasing the money because of where it came from. But the fact is we are where we are. So you need to make it the best that it can be, or it's just going to be a pain for a long time when it doesn't need to be. By the way, Grant Miller, I saw his name. Did you mention him? No. Yeah, he's also been I haven't had a chance to go and actually look through um, all of the lists just yet, but I was planning on doing that sometime tonight or tomorrow once it kind of settles because there will be stragglers. guys will be picked up. I already told Grayson, I was like, I'm not going to have it done for tonight by tomorrow because there will be, I'm sure, a couple of names. But although at the rate we're going, there might not be any names left to get cut here pretty soon. Henry Black from the Colts. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, there's there's half the guys that were on the list to begin with that we've just announced in the last ten minutes are now not on the list anymore. So I will be busy and doing that. But like none of the names that you mentioned are like Henry Black's hung around for a little while and actually Jameson you know, Houston pretty okay. Jameson Houston's hung around. Yep. Abram Smith's tried to hang around. He's just he's a running back man, and that's just really yep. difficult to stick in the league if you're not. Bijan Robinson or Ezekiel Elliott or, or those types of guys, at least initially. So, um, yeah, that's that's a shame, and we'll keep track. And you know, if there's other notable uh, names, and we'll be sure to pass those along, like you know, a Max Duggan, for example. Um, just a couple more notes here. Um, by the way, just the preseason numbers, and we'll get into ratings more when college football really gets underway. And I haven't seen many of those trickling out from this past weekend. And then again, there wasn't a huge matchup, but. Certainly looking forward to what the LSU-FSU number draws this weekend. I think that will be interesting. It should be massive. Oh, God, yeah. But they, speaking they of massive, were unranked last year when they played and yeah. put up huge numbers. But speaking of massive, I mean, it is incredible how much people care about the NFL preseason. I mean, they're drawing three-plus million people for a game that does not really matter in the slightest what? and acting <laughs> as though it's the NFC Championship game sometimes. when I mean, they're fired the blank up for this preseason action, and it's it's evident in the numbers as well. Saints, uh, Texans, the preseason finale, four point two three million viewers uh, just for a, a preseason finale. You had the All of Fame game earlier, you know, that kicked off everything. That's yep. six million, so they open with six million, close with over four million. The NFL preseason ratings and plenty of millions watching in between. But it's undefeated, man, it's incredible. I mean, it really is just the, the massive popularity of the Shield and and that brand, and and that's evident. And even their their you know glorified exhibitions pulling in more viewers than major contests for various other sports leagues. Uh, but we'll leave it with this: this is very much off the radar, but on the field. Did y'all see the situation last night with Ronald Acuna? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Couple Could have been fans a lot worse. run onto the field. Not the first time we've seen you know a fan get onto the field in baseball or football or soccer or you know the NBA even for that matter. All those NBA. That security is pretty tight, man. They don't let you get like but a foot on the floor, and you seem to get wiped off there pretty quickly. The couple times I've seen somebody attempt to do that, but in baseball, um, yeah, a bad look last night had uh, the Braves and um, and the Rockies playing uh, in Colorado in Denver, and the Braves are out in the field, and their super duper star Ronald Acuna Jr. sitting out there in uh, in the outfield and. Uh, based on the video that, you know, at least the one that I saw, um, you know, the video pans to him all of a sudden, and there's a guy just, you know, like clinging on to yeah. him. And yeah. there's another guy there who's, you can't really kind of tell what's going on, and he's apparently security trying to pull off. And then another guy comes running up moments later, and he's trying to get a piece, not like fight Ronald Acuna Jr., but it was hard, like, he couldn't have known what they were trying to do. For all he knew, they had a knife or a gun or something like that, even with security measures at ballparks. But not one, but two guys get up close enough to him. And the security response was pretty slow, given I thought it was too. that I, I, there is this multi-million dollar superstar athlete just at the mercy of two random fans, and he's all out there by himself. Eventually, center fielder comes over, tries to help out. Eventually, more security got over there. Um, but that could have been bad. I mean, that's one of those that we just say, like, all right, nothing happened, you just move on. But if that's not a wake-up call for Major League Baseball in some form or fashion, I, I don't really really know what will be because that could have been a horror yeah. story. And uh, both of those guys, as you can imagine, uh, were arrested. But the Players Association has come out and is asking for enhanced player safety as a result. Um, that follows uh, – 
you know, a shooting that happened at uh, at a game just a few days or a couple days earlier than that. And yep. so there's just kind of an awareness right now with Major League Baseball and especially the Ronald Acuna situation of um, you need to take this seriously. And they got hands on this guy. And had they been of a different sort of mindset, uh, this would have been uh, they, a different story we're talking about. I thought he handled they it were, pretty well. They right? were, he was like they were just super fans. Yeah, no, like yeah. he really yeah, is. They just wanted to like he, he was like, okay, hey, yeah. hey, 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 all right. And then yeah. it almost looked like uh, – I don't know what it was like, but it was strange because luckily he didn't react violently, well, so which Hank, he had every right to do. When Hank Aaron hit his home run yeah. and the fans ran up on the third baseline, like, him, yeah. you know, it was kind of like that, yeah. but it just wasn't that, well, though. And, and and look, old Herb in right field uh, really did not, uh, you know, he just kind of was like, oh, look yeah. at this guy. Yeah. All right, well, I guess, I mean, you know, eventually he started trotting over there, but yeah, you got to. Yeah, it's got to be better than that. Yeah, it was quick, very yeah. slow response, especially not knowing what those guys could have been up to. So both men uh, were arrested last night at Coors Field after the uh, incident that took place. And uh, he said that he thought that they were just out there asking for pictures. I really couldn't say anything because at that point, security was already there and we were already kind of tangled up, but security was able to get there. So he gives them credit. But, man, looking back, it took them a little while uh, to get there. So scary situation, couple of arrests made, and, and hopefully that's uh, the last we see of that for a little while but there's a few things off the radar. Thank you. He's trying to become the first player ever to have 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases in a season. He's at 29 home runs, 60 steals, and uh, just having a, and of course the new stolen base rules as far as throwing to first, et cetera, the base being a little bit larger uh, has really exploded. He's, he's a, an MVP-type candidate. Of course, Atlanta is fantastic. A couple of other names that Big 12-type related names, Kellen Mond, Malik Jefferson, K.K. Kute. Kiki, uh, Kiki uh, Kute, uh, Greg, Greg Ward, James Washington, Shane Bouchelle also, and Henry Block were some of the names, I just as you were talking, that were also released today. And James wow. Robinson, the former really good running back at Jacksonville, was also released today. Did you say these were Big 12 names? Well, big I said names. most of them. Kelly I was, was going to yeah, say yeah. he was not a big – okay, so I, I was making sure there, but – uh, yeah, Kellamon. I mean, I don't think that that's a surprise in any way. Um, Malik Jefferson's kind of just been around. He never quite turned into the, you know, the Lawrence Taylor or, you know, the like that you thought. I mean, he was a huge star in high school. Um, but, yeah, Kiki QT's bounced around quite a bit. Greg Ward has made been around for Phil. I mean, for yeah. considering his size and, like, you know, played quarterback in college and had to, you know, convert to wide receiver, I think he's carved out a pretty nice little career for himself, all things considered. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see who else joins that list. Good luck to them. They might be picked up or, again, they had a chance. They had an opportunity, and some of them played a couple or multiple years. When we come back, Michael Bishop, former Kansas State All-American, he's a part of the college football hall of fame we've had michael on before about his life after football he's next this is 365 sports marco's pizza pizza lovers get it marcos.com there's five locations in the waco area it is the fastest uh growing pizza brand company in america there were none just a handful of years ago and now there are five locations bell mead which is just off of I-35 on the east side of Waco. They're the ones who deliver to us. Also, there's China Spring, Hewitt Robinson, and also in Woodway. Marco's Pizza right now, I'm looking at their page, unlimited medium one-topping pizzas. If you use, go online and use Med 699, just $6.99 each. The Magnifico lineups that start at $9.99 a 
piece and go up. The ultimate meaty pizza. And also, of course, even one with extra sausage if you want the Italian sausage. Boneless wings, savory, excuse me, savory sauces. You want some sort of a discount or a price going online, you can do that. They, of course, deliver to you wherever you are. If there's a Marcos Pizza nearby, they do. Bob Bach, the owner here locally in Waco, Marcos Pizza, Marcos.com. Pizza lovers get it. Save big during the Labor Day sales event at Allen Samuels. Get a new Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months with no payments for 90 days at Allen Samuels in Waco. Come by. Let's be friends. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more, all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday, a full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. 
The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Tracking down former Kansas State quarterback Michael Bishop, we are running about six to eight minutes behind on the time we told him about, so hopefully we'll be able to get him on. So what they did, this class, this Hall of Fame class, my goodness, you could think about almost every one of these players. For example, it includes Eric Berry, the great defensive back at Tennessee, Reggie Bush, he's going into the College Football Hall of Fame, Dwight Freeney, Robert Gallery, the alignment from Iowa, Derek Johnson, Michael James, we've mentioned them, Michael Bishop, uh, also, Luke Keekley from Boston College. Jeremy Macklin, who was fantastic at Missouri. Uh, Terrence Mathis, New Mexico. Bryant McKinney from Miami. I'm trying to get a Michael Stonebreaker from Notre Dame. Tim Tebow from Florida, a part of this class. Troy Vincent. They're making him go in with other people. Yeah, I know. I know. He doesn't have his own Hall of Fame like his class. Own, his Tim own Tebow. little wing. Uh, Troy, Troy Vincent, Brian Westbrook, D'Angelo Williams of Memphis. Just one after another after another. And then former Georgia Southern Navy and Georgia Tech coach Paul Johnson is one of those going in. So what they did today, they released a schedule of when they would be honored at their specific school. Derek Johnson coming up on Saturday. Texas and Rice will be honored. Uh, This is presented by Fidelity Investments. On-campus salutes. So they released that list, and so that is why I reached out to them to be a part of the show today. And Michael Bishop will be the November 11th Baylor game. Uh, you were looking is, at that list. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he'll get inducted during uh, yeah November 11th weekend uh, against Baylor. So hopefully we can track him down. Uh, off the radar, obviously, took precedence. You know, me was selfish with all of my time and my spotlight, so I had to, to bump the former K-State great for a few minutes. But, no, in all seriousness, hopefully we can track him back down. No, no, it's you, not that we're all, running late. We were running late anyway. All, all you'll have to do, Craig, is you'll take you and him out to a football field. Mm-hmm. You'll both stand on one end zone, mm-hmm. and whoever throws the ball further uh, is right. I would okay. think Michael well, Bishop is uh, probably one of the could throw the ball as long as most anyone well, who's ever played. What did he tell us the last time he was on that he yeah. could stand on the end zone and 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 bounce it at the fifteen without yeah. a problem? Yeah, mm-hmm. very Hendon Hooker ish uh, mm-hmm. vibes as far as like the the urban legends of his arm strength. Yep. Um, I know after seeing what happened to Kevin Hart, I'm not going to race anybody anytime soon <laughs> yeah. based on. The fact that I, I am approaching similar ages and uh, definitely am not trying to tear like my groin off like Kevin Hart did recently, uh, just sprinting against his buddy who also happened to be a former NFL guy, but still, uh, I don't think that had to do with Kevin's body ripping apart. So, yeah, I think I'm going to take it easy. By the way, Paul Johnson, who coached at Navy, I mentioned, he's going to be honored with a couple of different on-campus uh, uh, salutes, including at a Georgia Southern game and also in October, two days later, at Georgia Tech. We're now joined by Hall of Famer to be Michael Bishop, Kansas State great All-American, who will be honored when Kansas State plays Baylor, as Craig mentioned, November the 11th. The on-campus salutes released today. Michael, of course, has been a part of this show before. Love to have him on. Michael, as it gets closer, I know the Hall of Fame itself is great, but uh, they've now given you the date, right, the game with Baylor on November the 11th. Yes, sir. November 11th, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity 
for both teams to play well against each other. You know, I, I got to pull for K-State because, you know, that's, that's what, well, I bleed purple, but at the same time, I know Baylor's going to be ready. I know Baylor's going to come in and put on a good show like they always do. You know, they, 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 they've been on to put, put together a great team. Um, but K-State as well. K-State is, you know, is a team that's up on the rise. They don't get the respect that they deserve, but they'll be ready to play. And for me, you know, uh, going in there and getting honored as far as winning to the College Football Hall of Fame is a great, uh, I feel a like great accomplishment for me, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that without my teammates and the coaches that supported me, you know, I wouldn't be in this situation. But to have two things go at one time, have a great game, and then have a great reception. You know, I know the K-State people, you know, love it whenever I come back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be feeling great. You mentioned the lack of respect at times, and that is true. Kansas State won the Big 12 last year. They were fantastic. Coach Kleiman, what he's done. And yet this year they're not picked to win. Texas picked to win the Big 12. TCU, Kansas State, Oklahoma in that mix too. Do you kind of just, is that kind of part of, unfortunately, being at Kansas State even in the Bill Snyder years? Well, you know, that's, that's, it's been like that for a long time. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, if, if you go to K-State, you know that uh, would happen every year. Uh, but the, the biggest thing is you prepare like you like you're a national championship team, week in week out. You know, do the right thing and let it let the chips fall where they may. I, I trust that because I know that if you get a group of kids that believe in themselves, you know a- anybody can win on any given Saturday. And, and it's it's all about doing doing your job. And I know that Coach Harmon is going to have those guys ready to play week in week out, especially November 11th. On that note, Michael, we've had you on the show before, as uh, as Smokey mentioned, and I keep track of that stuff. So it was back in November of last year, right before K-State came to Waco and absolutely obliterated Baylor. And little did we know at the time that K-State was about to make a heck of a run all the way to winning the Big 12 championship. So since we haven't talked to you, I know it's been a little while since then, but uh, just what was that like on your end to watch uh, that team uh, go on the run that they did? Uh, despite the, the Sugar Bowl loss, that's that's another thing. But just to go win a Big 12 title and do it in the fashion they did, how cool was that? Well, you know, when, when, you, when you're part of, uh, I say part of an organization, when you're part of culture, you're part of tradition, you're expected to win. It doesn't always go as you expect it. Um, but at the same time, I am definitely proud of those guys that put on that, that, that market uniform because, like I said, a lot of people count them out. You know, you know, even I was at the Big 12 game and, and there were people that, you know, was talking to me, uh, you know, on both sides that, you know, didn't know how the outcome was going to come. But me, I've always been, hey, we'll, we'll put it out in the end. I didn't know that it was going to come down to that field goal. Uh, but at the same time, I'm glad that it did because, you know, everybody has to be accountable for, to do their job and special teams did their job that week. So, and that game as well. So, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's, it's really a big deal because, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm part of that. I'm part of that tradition. Regardless, you know, if, if they win the Big 12 championship or lose to, to Alabama, I'm still part of that. So uh, it's forever, you know, created in my, my mind, my body, my soul. So regardless, I'm always standing up for K-State. What was the most excited outwardly that you'd ever seen Bill Snyder? Because he was a pretty, he's a pretty reserved guy. Well, I, I, I told the story before. Um, when we had the opportunity to play Nebraska at Manhattan, uh, that was the most that I've seen him celebrate. That was the first time I've seen tears fall out of his eyes. That was the first time that I've seen him, you know, be human. You know, because, you know, Bill, Bill, is, Bill is Kansas. You know, and everybody respects Bill. Everybody has an opinion about Bill. Everybody has always seen that uh, that straight-faced coach uh, type Bill. But I got the chance to see him be human and for me, that was, that was something I had never seen because he's always, you know, he, he, he stays on us, 
Um, he was always, you know, do the right thing, you know, reset, run this play again. You know, Bishop, what, what, what are you thinking on this route? Or, you know, why'd you throw that ball? And, you know, stuff like that. So I got to see him be human. And that alone, to me, was one of the greatest moments. You know, along with the win against Nebraska, I got to see him relax. I got to see him smile. I got to see him cry. I, I got to be in that moment with him, and that's something that I always remember. Well, they were the 800-pound gorilla and had a lot of people had beaten up on Kansas State for many, many years. What was it about Bill Snyder? And they turned around. I think it's the greatest rebuilding job in college football history, and he actually did it twice at K-State. Uh, what was it about the belief, the dream, the vision that made you believe in K-State and Bill Snyder? Well, you know, he, he did a good job of getting young guys that, didn't get all the glory in high school, didn't get all the glory in junior college, didn't get all the glory wherever they transferred in from. He was able to get those guys together and tell them, hey, you have an opportunity at K-State. I believe in you. I believe you make plays. You deserve to play on Saturday. You deserve to play big-time football. And all we needed was an opportunity and somebody who believed in us. That's all. And once we we seen that in Kansas State and Bill Snyder, you know, we, we, we played, you know, lights out. You know, we – Whenever I really sit back and think, I was having a conversation with one of my assistant coaches this morning, and I said, you know, I really sit back and I thought about it, and I, I, for the first time, I actually just sat down and watched the highlights from 1978. And I'm like, man, that was some, we did some amazing things that people would never thought we would have done at that time. And so I know that the group of guys that Coach Snyder has been able to bring in during his you know, career at K-State, those guys were, you know, they, they were nobody trying to tell somebody something. And he gave us the motivation, the dedication, uh, the, everything that we needed to, to go out and perform on Saturdays. And like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful because nobody else was giving us a chance. And we had that chance and we came together and we played some good football. Michael Bishop with us, uh, soon to be a part of the Hall of Fame, will be honored, in fact, when K-State plays Baylor later on this year in November with us on 365 Sports. Did that surprise you when you had to you know fight your way onto a d1 roster given your skill set or that you know, I mean you michael we the last time we had you on we i mean you told us you could still throw a ball what 80 yards in the air if you wanted to i mean like those things kind of stay with you but it was was it weird for you was it hard and, and to to deal with that when finally somebody like bill Snyder comes along and says you're my guy well you know it's funny that you asked that question because you know we just finished practice so at the end of practice, I just threw a 70 yard bomb to one of our seasons because he told me he's not running my arm, so I still got it. Um, but, but uh, you know, go, going forward, you know, um, coming out of high school, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas. Everybody knows about Texas high school football. Uh, I was on I was on a pretty good team in high school, and we had, uh, you know, we, we had some great guys on that team. We had some guys that, that did enough to be in, you know, to play D1 football, but nobody really was giving us a chance because we wasn't the – we wasn't a big name school, you know. We were a, you know, a small boys' school, but we had great athletes. Nobody really gave us a shot. So when it came down to you know me playing and baseball with the Indians and stuff like that, when when I was given the opportunity to go to Kansas State, that's all I wanted. I didn't care how many quarterbacks were on the roster. I didn't care how many you know Hall of Fame guys they had or how many All Americans. I just wanted a good opportunity to go in and be able to do what I what I wanted to do all my life, and that's play football. And given that opportunity, you know, the rest, the rest is history. And so, like I said, I'm forever thankful to have that opportunity because no one else was really giving to me because, you know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of people wanted me to go to DB, wanted me to play receiver, wanted, wanted me to, you know, even play running back. So, 
I knew that I had talent. I knew that I had skills. I just needed somebody to believe in me as Mike Bishop's quarterback. And K-State, you know, took me in. You uh, went to Blinn and, of course, had a great run there with a national championship. Uh, Cam Newton went to Blinn and won a national championship on his way to eventually Florida, but Auburn. But you're also from Willis High School. And they have a young man and getting a lot of attention. Dad went to Baylor and DJ Lagway, who's committed to Florida, at a huge play, a great player at Willis High School. Your thoughts about that? Have you seen him play? I've seen him play. I've, I, you know, I've been knowing the Lagways all my life. We were together. His dad was my running back in high school. You know, our families know each other. Um, DJ is a is an outstanding human, a young young man. He's an outstanding football player. He's an outstanding quarterback. Um, I think that his ceiling hasn't even been reached yet. There's so much more that I believe he's going to accomplish along his path. And, you know, my, my biggest thing is I, I, I pray that he stays healthy because the young man can play. He can try to play football. Um, he's probably better than me, probably better than his dad. Uh, so, you know, my hat goes off to him. I just want to see him finish, have a great year, uh, take with us to the playoffs, if they get to the state championship, go win it, get that hardware, and then go ahead and start his college career. former Baylor receiver and a speedster and Chris Platt, another young man that came out of Willis High School that's developed out, yeah, as well. All right, uh, Michael, so K-State defending champions, they aren't picked to win, but we will see you in November when you're honored on campus by, of course, the National Football Hall of Fame and Fidelity Investments. Looking forward to it. Always appreciate you. Are you still doing the daily Dave whatever it is on your Twitter feed? I'm, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing, still hanging on, man. You know what's so funny about it? I think I mentioned this before is that you know, I meet I meet all kind of people uh, along my journey, my life journey. And the other day I was in a uh, my daughter got engaged, so I pulled to Kansas. So when I'm walking through the airport, you know, I'm thinking that this young lady wants to talk to me about K State football, want me to find something, and she says I follow you on Twitter. I love your posts this morning. So that made me know that I'm still doing my service uh, because I'm still blessing people. I just thought about putting a post out every day and didn't think nothing of it, but I'm glad that people are reading my posts, people are sharing their po- my posts, they are telling me their experiences, they're telling me, you know, this post, you know, bite my damn today because I was in this type of mood. And so as long as I can be of service and I can, you know, there's breath in me to help out somebody, and it may be somebody in India that's reading my posts, but if they want to take my post and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to make it through the day, then my job is done, and, and I love doing it. Michael Bishop, former Kansas State quarterback with us, who will be inducted into the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame with an incredible class. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We might try to get back with you sometime later in the season. We appreciate your access and also uh, also love watching you play. No question. Thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Go Bears. Go K-State. There you go. Michael Bishop, former K-State quarterback. In that game, the A&M, that double overtime loss, Sir Parker caught the pass. Uh, someone brought this up that, yeah, late in the game, uh, there was a, a fumble. Michael was involved in a turnover. And that Kansas State team, well, how much would that have affected the Big 12 if they had won it in 98? Oh, how kidding? many times OU was involved, of course, 
in in a chance. And of course, Alabama and Texas in 2009, adding maybe two or three more uh, national titles to the conference that 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 they didn't happen. Well, I mean, K State winning one would have been game changing for them and yeah, for the entire Big Twelve because all of a sudden it's not. A, a battle of the blue bloods and in some ways they would have taken a step towards you know trying to become that more so than 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 what they are you win a national title that puts you in a different stratosphere in football i'll tell you this so they won that game and ucla beat miami that same day that put florida state who lost to nc state in the national championship game against tennessee that year chris Rinke was hurt and did not play against Tennessee, and that was huge uh, for FSU, among other things. It was a close game. I think Kansas State beats Tennessee uh, because of the way they were playing. They would have had the, no offense to T. Martin, but they would have had the quarterback advantage in that game uh, with Michael Bishop and coming off a Big 12 title as tough as they were. I think they beat Tennessee in that game. I really do. I mean, they very well could have. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made, but I'm not putting it back. I mean, that's that's the dude that I call bad man majama. Like, I, and I reserve that for, like, mm-hmm. the baddest of, of bad aces. Uh, yeah. and he is he is a, a bad dude, uh, one of the, um, you know, the – I guess superstars of my childhood when I'm thinking about um, mm-hmm. just the most dynamic, you know, like people think of Vince Young. Before that, you had Michael Bishop. Before that, you had um, uh, Charlie Dick. Ward. Uh, yeah. You know, you think uh, that's the guys that I think of when I think of like the uh, the growing up period and just the the dynamic superstar athletes. And I didn't know any better at the time that like, hey, going and making it in the NFL is a little bit more of a different ball game, you know. And I was always a college football guy. And uh, Michael Bishop is, he's not going to ever be number one or number two because I've got guys like Tommy Frazier at the top. Um, but, yeah, and Adrian Peterson's up there for me, uh, very high. But if you ask me, you know, at any given moment of, like, who are some of the guys you had the most fun watching college football growing up, Michael Bishop's going to be mentioned pretty quickly. Uh, yes, absolutely. Dynamic, dual threat, as much as you can possibly be. Uh, Brian Ethman just let me know Ben Sims has already been picked up by, in a practice squad. So that's good. Okay, good Craig's going to clear all that up with a long night of going through all the cuts and then those who have been picked up. No John McClain today, probably at some point either tomorrow or also on Friday. Uh, the chat room continues. Thank you all for being in there. A lot of discussion about every time. Like, for example, Canelio, I remember watching Ricky Williams winning the Heisman in 98, who had an unbelievable year and broke the mm-hmm. records. As Michael sat next to him, coming in second, it felt weird to me seeing how K-State had beaten the living hell out of UT <laughs> by 41 a couple of months earlier. But yeah, Ricky Williams in 98 was just absolutely just freak show is how good he was in breaking the record in the long run against Texas A&M. And Mac Brown had brought that up to us last time he was on the show. Yeah, he was a stud. And then, I mean, you look at that in Nebraska, won 93, 94, 95. You had potentially a K-State in the 98. You had Oklahoma Nebraska in 2000. Nebraska in, and yeah, 93, 95. Wait, 94, 95, 97 for Nebraska. But then the potential that K-State could have jumped up in 98. You had Oklahoma two years later. Uh, and then multiple opportunities for them um, throughout the 2000s that, you know, you kind of mentioned that earlier of like if they just win a couple of those, like if they beat LSU in that 2003 game, that was, I mean, I know Florida and Tennessee had won prior to that, but that was really like the lengthy start of the Alabama and the Florida and all of those runs that followed LSU and LSU multiple times since then. But yeah, a couple of things go differently. And, you know, K-State too, um, that wasn't their only close brush with 
you know, potential national championship or playing for one. That's that's happened before. Baylor beating them, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the game that kind of set off the Bryles era. Um, yeah. You know, there's been there's been moments like that where they are so close, and that's why you know seeing what they did last year and just knowing that they've got a guy now who's going to come in and and build and keep building this thing um, in a playoff era too. You just never know, but it's it's very exciting and um, yeah, they're they're. Uh, a great program, but Michael Bishop was that dude for me growing up. Yeah, 98 K-State, 96, uh, uh, like you said, Nebraska almost beat Florida State, 93, in a great game with Florida State was heavily favored. Texas in 09, another one of those that got away. Who knows what would have happened in 08 when they went to the BCS down to the milliseconds or millimeters of numbers. Uh, when we come back, Paul Catalina and the top five again tonight, 1030 Sports Tonight on the CW, and this is 365 Sports. Don Schumador and Coffee Beans in the Townwest Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. I drove by there. It was at the end of last week. I didn't go in there to get cigars because I, I have some, but I, I did go in there to get Dreams. I've told you about the uh, THC that my older brother Robert is using because of pain with what's happening with him. Uh, my second oldest brother called me about it because his wife has a hip that's bothering her about the THC product. But I've been taking Dreams now for probably a couple of different years. I remember Ashley kind of suggested that I'm one of those that it's hard for me when I lay down to shut everything off, whether it's things to do or just let my brain just kind of just kind of cool off a little bit. So I started taking the, the gummies, the uh, uh, CBD uh, Vita Dreams went in there. I'd run out, went in there, got myself a bottle, and they have it available for you. Yes, cigars, all the accessories for what you do if you smoke cigars, but THC product, CBD, and so much more. Ashley, Cheyenne, and Carol, great people. Don Schumador and Coffee Beans in between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. 
It's another time to speak with Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Handles the marketing and someone that you will talk to a lot when you do call for the great product of the Texas-raised Wagyu beef. It's college football season, tailgating. It's a big deal. People love to put beef and pork and chicken, etc. on the grill. Let me know what you have. We've got everything. If you've got a morning game, you can get our breakfast sausage or our bacon. You can tailgate with some breakfast tacos if you've got an afternoon or evening game. We, of course, got our hamburger patties, their half-pound patties, four patties to a package, and we even have jalapeno and cheese patties. They're amazing. They'll blow your mind. Just that extra flavor, not too spicy. They have a high-heat cheese, so they don't melt on the grill, and our patties don't shrink up on the grill either. Anytime you order, use our code SICKEM10 to get 10% off your order of $100 or more. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate. That's Samantha the Duval, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5 Brought to you by Texas Beef House Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu From our pasture to your plate TexasBeefHouse.com Welcome back. Top five benefits to ACC expansion if they do it. And uh, these are some of these are uh, some long bombs I'm throwing here, but uh, there are benefits to it. It just uh, makes a little less sense than some of the other ones because it's a move made of desperation. Before we get to that, I'd like to thank our good friends at UPN who have supercharged our internet here. And if you would like to know more, go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Uh, the fantastic, we had uh, we had a minor glitch last week and found out it was on our end. It wasn't their stuff, but they were the first people to tell me that our stuff wasn't working and to restart it as opposed to waiting for 20 minutes uh, on hold. So if your business internet is uh, letting you down UnitePrivateNetworks.com Top 5 benefits to ACC expansion Number 5 uh, Staves off the Super League For a bit Like at least If you do it It staves it off for a little while If the ACC doesn't expand and crumble You might as well just start You know carving up You know what the Super League is going to be 32 or 44 or whatever Teams make it in and negotiate their way into that By thing. the way nothing new has happened there have been reports that there's still not enough votes, and then again, they're still trying to get through it. But this is if, in fact, it occurs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as last word that you know, really, the North Carolina shooting, and now what the incoming hurricane in Florida, like all of those, are I guess wreaking a little havoc on the timeline. If if that's you know, certainly I believe that with the North Carolina uh, incident because that did push back what otherwise was going to be a vote yesterday. But um, yeah, I mean. It'll be interesting to see like how quickly they wrap that up, and if it doesn't go through after all of these postponements, and like, well, there's inevitably going to be a vote, and then they don't vote that way. That's what I'm fascinated to see. Like, was there somebody who just refused to budge and and didn't allow this to happen? But it, it I guess, 
What would you lead? Fifty-one forty-nine that it's happening, or would you go stronger than that? I would lead. I would lead. I would lead a little stronger that it's okay. going to happen. Sixty forty. Yeah. Now look, I'm of the belief that I think NC State is the holdout, okay. and I think that they are with North Carolina because right now those schools are trying to do the Arizona Arizona State thing where they they are in lockstep, but ultimately. If it came down to it, North Carolina is not going to make sure North Carolina State goes anywhere with them if they were to leave. So I think North Carolina State eventually flips because they have to make sure. Now, look, NC State's got a really good athletic program. Really good. They're good in most things. Uh, have they won national titles and a lot of stuff? No, but it's hard to win those. And they're a really good program. So they got to make sure that they're in a spot. And I think that they are. Think that they'd be the ones who would flip back, but the thing I brought up last week is who are the other holdouts that don't have to be public about it? Right. Yeah. So yeah. they might have more yeah, people. The to story convince. has been there are a blo- there's a block of four. They mention them, but it could be a block of seven. It's not sure every who else is maybe be- is not on board because when it comes down to voting in anything, whether it's college football or politics, you can play both sides against the middle for a long time sure. before you have to have actually have to make a decision. So Miami could actually not want it, but then when they were asked, be like, "Oh no, cool, we're fine," yeah. knowing that there were four schools that had already been kind of publicly against it. Uh, for the time being. Number four. Well, hold on. I oh, want to comment ahead. on okay. this. Yeah, sorry um, about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it does. It's not going to probably slow a lot of the momentum, but it does, it does you know, at least uh, stop some of it. Um, there's still, I think, always going to be this push out there, this idea out there for the Super League, but I don't believe you can have a college football Super League without having Florida State in it or without mm-hmm. having a Miami in it. That's just me. I mean, I think if you – um, you know, want to call it elite or call it something else, but Super League, I just think a Super League includes FSU and Miami. You know, I know North Carolina can be debated. I don't really view that from a football perspective. I wouldn't include them in a Super League, but I understand that it's a bit more than that. So, yeah, I agree that there's not a, a true authentic Super League if there's programs like a Florida State that are not a part of it. Yeah, so uh, it does stave it off for a little while, but we'll see. Number four. More money for existing members. So there will be more money. Will it be as much as they want? No, it will not. Uh, and they're putting most of it appears in the you know performance pool. The, the other thing that's going to be debated is what performance is that? Is it just winning? Or if you are constantly winning in the TV ratings, do you get some of that money too? Because you're essentially holding the league together with that TV contract. That's part of it, which seems to be splitting some hairs too uh, when you get down to it but it will be more money for the existing members which you know nobody is going to say no to more money even if it's not as much as they want yeah I mean it's uh you know if you're complaining about money and they're offering you more money and then you're like oh well that's not enough it's like well hey we're we're doing the best that we can here but um I know that you know for some that's that's not going to be enough but maybe it's enough for right now not enough in the long run but enough for right now um and that appears to be you know, part of the, the motive here uh, or part of the deal here is that, yeah, everybody will or some of the teams will get uh, a bit more money than they've been getting. And then hopefully, you know, having, I guess, new teams a part of the fold and what all that could potentially mean leads you to sooner rather than later being able to get even more money. But, um, yeah, it, it's not blow you blow your doors down and, uh, and, you know, blow your socks off and, oh, wow, they're competing with the SEC and the Big Ten, you know, cash for cash. It's It's not anywhere close to that, but I don't. I don't know how you close that gap. Uh, and so the ACC is trying as it can, and this is a move that would bring more money. Number three, 
potential for future further expansion in the next wave. Look, if you do it right this time and say this actually does, you know, one of the things that we haven't said, and it's because practicality would have you think it's going to be logistically a nightmare, but what if this does actually work out for everybody involved in, in, a, in a positive way or for most people involved in a positive way? History says otherwise. No, yeah, but um, just saying that, and look, you're going to try to fight. Look, with Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, if they all eventually left, then that's going to drop them down to 15 again. They're going to have to go get more numbers, which means they'd have to expand again. So if they actually do it right and it works out at least a little well, a little ways for them, a little bit well, then yeah, maybe uh, this gives them potential for further expansion that makes more sense down the line of teams that maybe might be closer to the region. Yeah, I, I said, uh, I think for the last couple of days, that the only part of this that really makes sense is you're basically expanding before needing to expand. Yeah. Um, you know, you're replacing Florida State and Clemson, in theory, uh, with the best available brands that might not be available if you wait longer, because where are they going to be now? Granted, maybe Stanford and Cal would be right for the picking five years from now as, you know, members of the Mountain West. We don't know that, but um, yeah, you're, you're going ahead and adding your BYU, your Cincinnati, your Houston, and your UCF before Texas and Oklahoma leave is basically how I view this or even proclaiming that they're going to be leaving so um, if in fact that Florida State and Miami or some combination of schools leave they'll you know won't take a heavy hit they won't be reduced to like a you know eight members like the Pac-12 had a situation they'll be set up as though they've already countered it so Mm -hmm. it does make sense from that perspective number two it's a stay of execution I mean honestly you get that um, you, you don't have to worry about you know What's going to happen if they do find a way out? Uh, the the biggest deal was, and we'll get to this in a second, but if you drop below that that 15 teams uh, that they had, then ESPN can open things up. But this allows you to not drop below 15, especially right away, and gives you a buffer zone for three teams to leave if that happens. Uh, and then if you get to that fourth team that would leave, then you, you've got to you know go start expanding again. But it gives you this you know at least time to where, okay, you don't – all of a sudden it's not four teams leave. Not only are you below 15, you're well like in a spot where it's going to be really hard to get back up. You, you're, you're pretty close. Um, you're going to stay at 15, and then you just be at 14 or maybe – and not at 11 where then it, it starts to get – what do we do now kind of territory. Yeah, and somebody's eventually going to have to show how this is all going to come to an end earlier anyways mm-hmm. because I know we've debated and we talked about it and we know Florida State has been very vocal and all that, but we've still seen nobody crack that code of the whole, you know, no. grant of rights and broadcasts and, you know, all of the the amount of years that remain. I know that there's the, the private equity funds and the talk about that, but we haven't, I mean, what have we heard since then? Little to nothing. Uh, and instead of that, you know, being the, the move, it, it's the ACC actually looking more like they're expanding and, and everybody else is staying put. So, yeah, it's, for now it's a stay of execution. But there there will always be that, all right, is Florida State ready now to go? You know, are they ready now? And, and certainly they're going to be ready before that contract runs out. Yep. Number one, FSU and Clemson can't hold them hostage. So that's a big thing if they were – you know, right now they're at 15 teams. If you drop below, then you have to scramble and add somebody anyway. But now they can't really say, we'll do this or we'll leave. We'll just get this money together and leave. We'll just get the money together and leave. Now they can uh, go either way. They can maybe eventually convince FSU and Clemson it's in their best interest to stay, which I think the only way that that happens is if Notre Dame joins the league and you have a bunch of money rolling in that wasn't there before, which, again, 
no one sees happening in the near future. Uh, so wait a minute. So if they do this, and Florida State, Clemson, whoever, they get more money out of this than others. They're not going to make them sign like a grant of rights. They've already signed already a grant of rights. I mean, like double down on it. What you're going to give somebody money knowing that they're going to walk out the back okay. door? Okay. Think about this. They don't have to vote for it. They can vote against it well, and they still are get the money. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. they can vote against it and still get the money because they're already in an agreement. You know what the solution is? Go break that GOR and pay a few hundred million dollars, yeah. and then you can go do whatever the hell you want to do. And, oh, yeah. yeah, you need an invite somewhere else first, too. I mean, there's a lot of things that kind of have to that happen. That would be hilarious if they did that and nobody and then, invited them. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, the, Big they, like, 12's like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> right away, yeah. everybody would be. online one, yeah. yep. Um, but, no, you're right. I mean, they they can rattle the cage like they have been, but for the most part, it doesn't appear like they've got great leverage. Um, and uh, they've lost a little bit of leverage really since the time they first spoke up, it seems mm-hmm. like, especially if, if the expansion goes through. So, yeah, um, they're not at their mercy, but it's still definitely a situation you want to monitor and, and you want to keep them, you know, to be very clear. You're not just going to wave the white flag in any way, mm-hmm. but you're also not going to, you know, bend over and be at their mercy at all times either no absolutely not so yeah that's it like but again like again fsu and clemson can vote against this and still wind up making more money mm-hmm. they're they're in a really solid position as far as their careful, income man. going up just I, not as as far as it will it just never ends well when but, you start to let and i know no, it's you, it just doesn't end well when you start to let when when people think they're better and then you confirm by what you do for them that they're better. It just Watch, it, it's, if Florida State wins a national title this year, I bet we hear a lot of <laughs> private equity fund yeah, talk and yeah. you know all that kind but of. But if jazz. they win a national title, yeah, it still doesn't mean they're going to make as much as Rutgers or Nebraska and or that's others. The problem, that aren't. yeah, and that's yeah. the problem. Yep. Yeah. All right, Paul. Thank you so much. TexasBeefHouse.com, the sponsor of Paul's Top Five. Uh, Owen was in the studio for his only day with us today because. Uh, he um, talks some noise. Yeah, I mean, he's an intern he coming in some with noise. Some, like, he's talking about them noles. Yeah, wow. uh, Garrett Ross, thank Suck you so up much, to Garrett. That's what he's doing. Yeah, I know because he's an LSU fan. That's who they open with. Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina, thank you all of you in the text line or the chat room. Our great sponsors again tonight, ten thirty on the CW. It is three sixty five Sports tonight. I'm David Smoke, and good night. MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while